1: all the galaxies
0: all for you
1: well hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the IPC podcast broadcasting live right here on channel 1138. We have another fantastic episode for you guys tonight, talking, well, a little bit of everything. We like to mix it up, and uh, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff to cover tonight, because a lot of stuff's been happening, so why not get a little bit of everything, and just throw it all in, and uh, yeah, you never know what you might get. This uh, podcast salad of ours might uh, might get interesting before it ends tonight. Um, before we do that, of course, introductions are in order. My name is Ben, and joining me, guys, he's back. It is our good friend, Mr. Zach Arnold. What is up, podcasters,
0: peacekeepers, and et cetera. It feels like I have been away for freaking ever, and I'm so glad to be back, especially for all the stuff that we've got to talk about tonight. Like you said, Ben, there's a lot happening, and I'm just glad that I was able to have my schedule freed up enough to be able to do something tonight. I had a baseball game, but it was on a Thursday this week. I think it's because tonight is uh, is Good Friday, and uh, so the the school districts are like giving players the day off to uh, – To commemorate that. And uh, yeah, it allowed me to be able to be on tonight. So I'm excited to be here and really excited to be talking about the stuff we're talking about. And uh, you know what? I don't think we can do this alone.
1: I don't think so either. I think this is a very special occasion. And we made it all the more special by inviting on a special guest host. You've heard him on the show many, many times, you've heard him on other shows. Two, and he has his own YouTube channel. You know him as Star Raptor, legendary YouTuber, but he's known to us as Mr. Chris Abbott. Chris, what's going on, man?
3: Hey Ben, hey Zach, and everybody in IPC land out there. Uh, yeah, lots going on. Lots going on with the with the streaming verse. Lots with games. I'm just looking at this list, and this, this is the kind of shows I love to listen to. So it's a great privilege to actually be a participant in. Uh, I'm really looking forward to breaking everything
1: down. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So glad you could be here, Chris. And I'm glad to have you back, Zach. Seriously, it's uh, it's been too long. And uh, as we keep saying, a lot to talk about. Um, The biggest thing that I'm most excited about is freaking going back to the theater. It's been a long time. And for crying out loud, I just want to sit down in an actual theater and watch a movie. And I'm really looking forward to because it, it just came out this week. Uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong looks like I might actually get a chance to go out and see this one. You guys have any plans?
0: Uh, I've got tickets for this coming Monday night, so I'm going to be going to see that. And I've actually had the uh, the opportunity to go see a movie prior to that. Uh, I decided I didn't want to pay for the 30 bucks on uh, Disney Plus with Premier Access, so I, I forked up the 750. And went and saw um, Raya and the Last Dragon about two weeks ago, and uh, that was a that was a pretty cool experience. It was like a dinner theater type of thing, and uh, so I got I got food ordered and I had it brought to me by a, a masked up, you know, servant person. Make it sound like I've got slaves or something. No, I
1: don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to make it weird.
0: But yeah, the food was brought to my seat and. We kept our, our masks and gaiters on for the duration of the film. Um, um, But they were kind of socially distanced because they were like those, uh, um, those big leather seats that you use for, you know, the dinner theater with the trays going across and everything. So there was pretty decent distance between the other people. And you actually had to kind of select your seating. So... Um, there were some seats and some rows that were kind of sectioned off in order to kind of reinforce the distancing. So overall, it felt pretty much like a regular theater experience minus the mask. But I mean, that's a small price to pay to be able to go back to the theaters again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, Chris, actually, Chris, have you been
0: back?
3: Yeah, I've also been back to the theater, um, i i seen riding the last dragon as well it's the last movie i seen i seen it at my my local wow. amc scene. pretty much the same experience uh by the way was that an amc zach or
0: it was it was an amc dine-in
3: yeah so pretty much everything you just said i'll echo that uh as far as like you get the tickets and we had the big nice seats which are of course spaced out Um, uh, but yeah i mean by now i'm used to wearing a mask so at least the one i have is Actually, kind of comfortable for the most part. So, half the time, I don't realize I have it on, sadly enough, but hey, that's how things are. And uh, yeah, no, it, it was a great experience. I really liked the movie, Ryan the Last Dragon. I think that was a great movie for people to kind of like come out of quarantine and see if they're ready to because uh, it had everything I wanted in it for a, um, a Disney animated film. And that's why I haven't seen uh, Godzilla vs. Kong yet because I feel like that movie deserves to be seen on the big screen with this big surround sound, right? So I'm gonna actually wait until next weekend uh, to see that, but I've also seen all the rest of the movies in the Monsterverse, I guess it's called. So, uh, uh, Zach uh, or Ben, have you seen all the other films in the series so far?
1: I have only seen one. I recently just randomly decided to watch uh, Kong Skull Island um, for the first time. I was really hyped for it back in the day
0: yeah well, what what did you think of it i
1: I liked it. I didn't love it i I didn't think it was amazing. um I did think like you know in the realm of like King Kong movies like it wasn't like a straight up like you know just remake of the old King Kong. it was something new and lots of you know crazy characters I think were really well done. I mean some, some great acting um probably not enough not enough Kong for my taste. But what we did get was pretty badass and, you know, I love the world building they did with that and, you know, obviously going into this is going to be really interesting to see, you know, where they pick up from it and, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a interesting take on Kong.
0: Well, here, here's the thing that, that I have noticed of the monster movies. People had a very similar complaint about the 2014 original Godzilla film, that there was a lot of build-up and like only during the climax, do you really see a lot of the actual Titan Godzilla actually doing his thing and and destroying stuff. So I think these are basically what you would consider origin stories more or less. And, uh, the, the other movies that are coming after it are the ones where you're going to see them in a lot of their, in their action type of zones. Um, Godzilla King of the Monsters was the one that I just watched as of like mm. last night. Like, very recent, very fresh. And yeah, there's a lot of human stuff going on in it. But there's a lot of monsters just fighting as well. And so I think there was definitely more Godzilla action in the second film. And based on the reviews that I have seen, just the spoiler-free reviews that I've seen on places like IMDb, it sounds like that trend continues with this uh, Godzilla vs. Kong movie. They say it delivers on the action sequences, but also has, like, less than stellar acting. Which, I mean, you don't really go to those movies or watch those movies for the acting. They're just placeholders until you see what the monsters can do. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you mentioned acting, and
3: I re- Recall a lot of big name actors being in these films. I mean, we look at 2014; they had Bryan Cranston, hot off of Breaking Bad. Then we get Kong Skull Island. Do you look at that cast? It's like a Marvel it's a, it's Avengers. A, it's movie. A,
0: it's a great cast. I love the cast yeah. of, of Skull Island.
3: Yeah, you got you know you got your Tom Hiddleston in there. You got your Sam Jackson. You got uh, Brie Larson in there. So right there, you got your you got your Avengers. Right there. And then you Captain got- Marvel.
0: Yeah. Pre-Captain yeah. Marvel. And then you throw in John C. Riley and John yeah. Goodman as supporting yeah. cast members. It's a heck of a cast.
3: Yeah. And then and then King of All Monsters, we have the one and only uh actress that plays Eleven and Stranger Things, Millie Bobby Brown. She
0: carried that movie, dude. Like she freaking carried it to the finish line. And she'll be Nobody back in this else. one, too. Nobody else picked up the damn pieces and tried to run with it. I was watching it for Charles Dance from Game of Thrones, and he did all right, but he didn't carry it the way he carried himself in Game of Thrones. Definitely
3: like, not, nope.
0: <laughs> like He's he's not a Lannister in this movie, and it bums me out. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, Millie Bobby Brown and Charles Dance, they have pretty good on-screen chemistry in that second movie. And then uh, Ken Watanabe, his character's um, concluded Illusion of his story. I don't know if it's a sacrifice necessarily, but like the things that he does in that movie also added some really good depth. Just not enough to like carry the movie. Like, if they had just done two hours of Godzilla going around the world and fighting other monsters, it would have been enough. You know? Like, you didn't really need all the other fluff that they were throwing into the story, but they did it anyways. And it's still made for a good story, but my goodness, the, the fight in Antarctica has to be one of the greatest action scenes I've seen in a long, long time. They did a fantastic job with that fight sequence.
1: Interesting. I'm going to, to check that one out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I skipped it because I was like, ah, I'm not feeling the trailers or whatever, but uh, if I, I'm i definitely investing in this whole MonsterVerse after seeing Kong Skull Island, so I'd love to. Love to get into a little bit more of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, the King of the Monsters movie basically picks up immediately after um, the Godzilla film finishes, so you can kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together as far as what happened in the last movie without actually having to watch it. Okay. Um, if you if you get the chance, I would definitely recommend watching King of the Monsters at least before seeing um, Godzilla vs. Kong, so that you have an idea of what Godzilla is capable of. Now that you've seen what Kong is capable of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like figure out figure out what their strengths are so that you can see strength versus strength in the versus movie.
3: Yeah. Now the age old question here, might as well bring it up. Who do you want to win? Kong or Godzilla? Oh
0: man. That's tough because I really liked the way Godzilla carried himself in King of the Monsters. Like that was one of the best parts watching how he fights on land, how he fights in the water, you know, how he's able to to basically become the 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 king of the world basically like he rules the monsters and monsters rule the world so he basically owns the title of king of the world right now and he freaking earned that title. I didn't see Kong earn as much, but there's something about him that makes me think he's going to pull out the victory. Maybe it's my tendency towards primates or something. I don't know. But I'm pulling for Kong in this one. I really am. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good point. I, I mean, we
3: see Kong apparently on Skull Island. He's, he's an infant or not fully grown to nearly the size he will be in this movie. Right. But he does carry himself enough to live on this dangerous island with these gigantic spiders and these dragon-esque uh, type creatures and whatnot. Um, but you, you got to wonder, like, you got Godzilla that can basically breathe, like, n- nuclear beams out of his mouth. Like, how does just an ape that just has super strength, how do you, how do you go up against something like that? He, it's like, it seems like he could be a little overpowered from Godzilla's perspective, especially after you've seen uh, King of Monsters.
1: Yeah, he does, like, King Kong feels like the ultimate underdog in the sense, especially in this movie, but, like, you know... He's always been portrayed that way. He's always like the understood giant who you know is is abused and stuff like that and even in this movie which I haven't seen yet but like he's on a freaking barge chained up and they're like oh we gotta take you over to the mainland so you can fight Godzilla. Like he doesn't want any part of this like clearly but like they're using him so they can fight Godzilla or you know whatever's going on with Godzilla and you know and like you're saying like Godzilla seems like Pretty OP, and you know what can Kong do that? I think he has that like giant axe or whatever i'm curious how that goes down um in regards to like how does he get that thing and what's he gonna do to Godzilla once he gets it, but like it seems like King Kong is the underdog, so I want to root for the underdog, but at the same time you know like what what is going on here what's thing it also helps that there's like a little little girl involved that's like yeah. has a bond with King Kong. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on there. I'm curious, like where it goes, and you know how it all fits together, and you know I, I've heard a lot of good things. So I, I'm getting more and more excited as I as I hear more things about it.
0: Yeah, here's 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 the here's the thing. As big of a fan as I was of uh, of King of the Monsters, it only got like 60 percent or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, mm. It it didn't do so great. The last I checked, I'm pretty sure that the um, the professional reviews had it around 73%, and the fan poll was polling closer to 80%. So wow. this this one seems to be the most popular thus far out of the monster movies, and it it did exceptionally well at the international box office. Like it only released. To the US a couple of days ago, but it had been out for nearly a week uh, overseas. And I think it made like seven and a half million alone in China and made like 12 or 13 million overall, which is like really, really big right now because of COVID. And like its 24 hour numbers here at the domestic box office is the biggest 24 hour number since the COVID shutdown. It drew in. And like nine point three million or something like that. Yeah, that's wow. insane. Cause I've
3: been following um, the box office just very closely to see how things have been trending. Obviously, with what's going on, and that that is mind mind blowing that they did that on a on a Wednesday, on yeah. a Wednesday of all times. Now, now, granted, um, for those of us in the United States and I guess around the world, a lot of, a lot of people have off this week um, for the for the spring break or you know Easter holiday coming up. So there might have been more kids. That are able to go see it on a Wednesday, which I find very interesting that they release this on a Wednesday. Movies are usually released like on Friday and have the early uh, viewings on Thursday night for the most part. So I thought that was that was kind of strange, but hey, I'm happy that you know this is this is doing well because it's going to make uh, I think it's going to make a lot of people kind of venture out to the movie theaters for the first time. Like this is a movie that is going to bring people back. Uh, yeah, sure, Disney's uh, riding the last dragon. Is an excellent movie. Um, but I don't think the general massive audience were like, oh, I got to go back to the theater to see this. No, it's like Kong versus Godzilla, these gigantic titans that, like I said, you want to see this in a theater, you want to see it on the big screen, these gigantic titans going up one, against each other with the, with the sound and effects and everything. I can't wait to see what this does. I really think this is going to change the, the trajectory. Um, and we already see a lot of things happening. Um, Disney, of course, delayed Black Widow once again, but now they're putting it on the premiere service, so it looks like we're going to be getting Marvel movies back for sure uh, coming back in July. Um, so it's it's going to be very, very interesting going into all this.
1: Um, and, I, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I am, because um, I did hear a massive spoiler. I know how the fight ends, and I heard that what happens is Godzilla ends up with a big spear, and he has Kong on the ground, and he has his he has his foot on his on Kong's neck, and then Kong starts saying, "Mothra, we have
2: to save Mothra,"
1: <laughs> and then Godzilla's like,
2: Why did you say that name?"
1: <laughs> oh, oh man, Is I'm that sorry. I had to do soon, that.
3: I had to like, do that. Five years too soon.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome, Internet. I
0: wish you could see the face palm.
2: (laughs) Yes! I wish
0: wish people could see the gigantic hand in the face that
1: I just gave from that. (laughs) I see the photo.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, how do we how do we segue?
1: Back? <laughs> okay, I got a perfect segue for you. The Snyder cut. I think this go. is something we've all seen now. And we have some thoughts. Like the last time I was on the show, I had only seen like the first like, you know, third of the thing. Um and I was really enjoying it. And I'm back to say I freaking loved it. Um Whoa. uh but but uh, Chris, Chris, like, what? What did you? I, I think you saw it. What did you think of it?
3: Oh, I thought it was great. Of course, that's like compared to the 2000. What was it? 2017 cut or or the the Justice League? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think anybody out there was going to say that was better, right? If, if you do, um, I don't know what it is you're into, but okay. But no, this was. So much better. Um, it, it just boggles my mind. Obviously, the runtime for four hours long, how are you going to put that in a theater, right? Like, how was this originally going to be this long with Zack Snyder? Was he planning on releasing a four-hour cut in the theaters or, or what was going on? We know there was lots of reshoots and stuff that added to the end uh, of the movie, especially with that, that end scene there with Joker and Batman and all. But, but all in all, this was this was what I've been waiting for, for the buildup through Man of Steel. Through um Batman v Superman. It felt absolutely legendary from like a mythical, mythological sense. Like you have Dark Side, who is the big, big villain that they should have had in the original cut, because the stakes weren't really there in that original cut. And it just kind of fell through with me with the plot because it's like, oh, we had the Steppenwolf guy that's just a mustache trolling villain. We don't really have any kind of understanding of what the heck his motivations are, whereas in this, we understand way more about him. He has more layers. He's he's even more cunning. He has a, a lot cooler of an appearance, and we know he actually has orders from a higher-up, which, you know, I think it's always nice to have that higher-up villain that somebody's reporting to, somebody pulling the strings in the background, let's say, like, an Emperor Palpatine or Thanos, like, somebody that the guys, the heroes have to look up to and be like, how are we going to take him out now we're seeing a glimpse of that, and I think overall, just seeing the expansion of the characters, like Barry Allen's The Flash, we're seeing uh, Cyborg, who is getting so much more to do in this movie, and he really is, like Zack Snyder was saying in a promotion, he is really at the heart of this movie, um, adding so much more to it. Seeing a lot more longer cuts of the action, of course, like I like seeing the blood and stuff, but... With people getting, uh, you know, hit with swords and stuff, it's realistic that, right? Let's let's put it that way. It's this the much darker uh, version of of a lot of these characters, but uh, you know, there's a lot less. Um, a lot of the jokes didn't really land for me in the original Justice League, and I thought that the the tone was like way off at some points with some of the characters acting in ways they probably wouldn't be consistent with. I think they cleaned that up a lot more here. Uh, seems a lot more. Darker for, for the sense of not only just the plot, but but looking at the film itself, comparing the actual scenes. I think it's a it's it's crazy how much different this looks compared to the 2017 version. Like comparing the same scenes, like the lighting is like way brighter in the other one compared to this one. Which again, it's it's consistent to the vision as Zack Snyder had with the way that Man of Steel looked, the way that BVS looked. So looking at it as if it was almost like a trilogy it's nice to see that he actually got a chance to finish this thing he actually got a chance to fulfill his original vision with um the unfortunate circumstances that had him um caused to step away in the first place so this is going to be one of those stories that goes down i think in hollywood where it's like nothing like this probably has ever happened to the degree that this has had happened with something really coming to fruition uh, mainly from a lot of the fans that were like talking about like oh yeah let's let's do the Snyder Cut like we were all like laughing basically <laughs> at these people because it was like a right. futile laughter. like n- that's never gonna work like you're going to San Diego Comic-Con with your your posters waiting in the lines and it's just like it was almost like a joke you know so but yeah I really can't believe that I like this as much as I did and as soon as I finished watching it I wanted to watch it again even though it was four hours like ah, i gotta find time to do this again because i i did manage to watch like the four hours within one morning um i did take like a break deep breakfast because i watched it like i got up really early that day i didn't mean to but i woke up in the middle of the night and i was like oh the justice is out and as soon as i thought of it i'm like i'm not gonna go back to sleep i bet i might as well just like get up and watch it and sacrifice my sleep later on but it was worth it i think but that those were my initial thoughts i really 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 dug it
1: Wow. That's great. Um, and Zach, like, I know we definitely haven't heard your thoughts on the justice league, the, the, the new justice league. Uh,
0: what'd you think? You haven't heard my thoughts on much of anything lately. Have you?
1: <laughs> I'm, I wasn't going to say, but
0: <laughs> I'll say it for you. I'll say it for you. I I've missed you guys. This is, this is so fun. It's so glad to be back. Um, I I would say that I didn't have super high expectations because I didn't want them to be met slash uh, fall short. And so, therefore, just about everything ended up exceeding those low expectations. And I'm, I'm trying really hard not to have a case of recency bias, but I will echo what Chris said about how I don't think anybody I've seen on social media has said that they prefer Joss Whedon's version over Zack Snyder's version. Yeah, it's a lot (laughs) to take in. Yeah, it's a lot going on, but all of that stuff going on is worth it. Everything from Cyborg's character development to the epilogue out in the desert between Batman and Joker, like, Everything is there for a purpose. Everything is there for a reason. It gets executed super well. Dark side looks intimidating, so there's great motivation for Steppenwolf. There's great motivation for our heroes to come together. Like It's just a better story. It's a better plot. It's better action sequences. It's better character development. Everything that you could want out of a superhero film is in here. You've got the comic relief and the funny quips. You've got... The, the dark moments where you question your humanity. You've got the the moments of peril. You've got the, the rebuild where everybody's trying to pick up the pieces after a defeat in the middle of the film and try and come back stronger for the finale. Like it is, it's a little tropey, but in a good way, in a way that is just, it's fun. And, and a lot of people I've talked to have said that they kind of lost track of time and, and just got caught up in this movie. And even though I watched it in two pieces because I was just super tired and I knew that I wasn't going to remember the other half if I, like, kept watching, even though I watched it in two pieces, I enjoyed the heck out of everything that I watched. It was just so, so good on all accounts. The choreography, the visual effects, the characters... Everything about it just seemed to be so much better than what we previously got and was just one of the better superhero movies that we've gotten. I, I definitely believe it's the best one of the DCEU, and I dare say it's in the top five of the best superhero movies I've ever seen.
1: And that's high praise. That is high Seriously. praise.
0: Because I've seen and... a lot of good superhero <laughs> movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Seriously, a
0: lot. Of pictures, bud.
1: And I, I end up. I mean, I'm in a similar but with you guys. Like, and I, I kind of stressed on some other shows, but I'll, I'll stress it here that like how little I cared about this movie going in. Like, I for you know I was expecting to not love it. I was expecting to be like, uh, whatever. And, like, even, uh, if you'd asked me a few months ago, I'd be like, oh, like, this is not going to be any better than the original. These people that want this Snyder Cut, they're crazy. Like, it's not going to be anything like they want. You know, it's just going to be more the same. It's just going to be longer. Like, that was my opinion. And, like, you know, and like, I know people have different tastes. And, you know, a lot of people love Zack Snyder style. I'm not a big fan fan of Zack Snyder, generally speaking. I'm not a huge, you know, you know, Snyder buff. I, I, you know, I like Man of Steel. I like, you know, I I even like parts of Batman v. Superman, but ultimately, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Zack Snyder, but going into this, this is easily my favorite film that he's done. One of my favorite DC films ever. And one of the best, like, superhero films that I've seen. And it, and it, it just comes down to, like, it having... Everything that the first movie didn't. You know, the first movie was just two hours and it was just nothing. There was just nothing to it. There's nothing special about it. There was nothing standout about it. There was no like action sequence you could walk away from it and going like, oh, that was good. That was that was fun. Was just nothing to it. Like, there was a couple of moments I, you know, like I've always liked like the the Justice League versus Superman when Superman comes like. I've always liked that. That's in the new one, so like they kept the good parts of the first one, but they just made them better. And then, you know, on top of that, added so many good things. And, like, I think there's just so much. And, yeah, it's long. You can make the case that this movie is too long. But I I actually, like, admire Snyder's just, like, screw it. Let's just do this. Let's just do this movie he knew probably this was going to be his last DC movie he's going to be doing for Warner Brothers, so let's just go all out four hours long. And I think it works. I think it actually flows really well, and it doesn't feel like four hours all the time. Of course, I didn't watch it consecutively. I broke it up into a few pieces, but it still flows really, really well. And I was always like, even when I turned it off, I'm like, I don't have time to watch this night now but I want to. I want to keep going, and I kept hearing people saying, like, oh yeah, it's the first half is, like, really slow. I didn't feel that way. I felt like yeah, it was slower, there's not a lot of action, but I was still intrigued. I was still pulled in by the story. And then, you know, the last hour is spectacular. Like, that, you know, moment at the end, um, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, when the Flash does his thing near the end, um, one of the best, like, moments in comic book movie history, I think. Like, it's astoundingly good, and it totally caught me off guard, because it's not in the original, it's not in the theatrical cut, but it's in this one, and like, it's so good, and there's so many moments where, like, and it pays off, like, I love it when a movie like, sets things up, and tees it up, and then pays things off, and, and has things come full circle, it's really well written, it's the best written, like, movie, and I come... You know, come at this as someone who's not been a big fan of Zack Snyder's writing. Definitely not the biggest fan of Chris Terrio's writing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I have very few complaints about this movie. I'm genuinely shocked at how much I enjoyed it and how much I'm like, okay, when's it gonna be out on like digital or whatever or, or like a DVD, Blu-ray? Like, I'm gonna buy this. Like, I don't own any other DC movies. But I'm going to own this one because I love it.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm definitely getting a high-res disc because now that I've got 4K capability, I may get it on 4K for crying out loud. But Hell I finally yeah, went, it would look back, great. went back through my, my Twitter feed, and I finally found that, that 5 that I made. And I think I'm going to stand by this. Um, I've got, I've got Thor Ragnarok as the number 5 best superhero movie. And then I've got the Snyder Cut at 4. And then in fr- front of it would be Guardians of the Galaxy, The Dark Knight, and Infinity War.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's I-, I think we're gonna have to update our uh, top five superhero films list at some point. We're gonna do a show all about that because it's ever changing. Yeah, we're,
0: g- we're gonna have to revise it eventually. But uh, y'all, y'all aren't y'all aren't gonna like yell at me for omitting Endgame on that list.
3: No, I, I kind of I think I have to agree with you. Where Infinity War, I enjoy it more now. You know, with 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 it being a while since it came out. You know, you said the recency biasy. Sometimes it's just like, oh, the newest thing is so good, so good. And then I let it simmer, let it soak in. And I'm like, okay, like calm down a little bit. It wasn't as, as amazing as I first walked out of the theater, but it's still good.
1: Endgame has yeah. kind of stood the test of time for me um i've it's one that I will regularly go back and and watch this thing um I still love infinity war um to be honest, I was had an unhealthy obsession with infinity war for quite a while, so much so that I can't really watch it anymore <laughs> 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 watching it. um I still love it I just like i have to be in the mood for it but uh Endgame is really good. It would probably be on my list, but I, I, I feel like it's kind of a... It's not a movie that, like, everyone loves. Like, I know quite a few people that are like, ah it's okay, whatever, like, I get it, you know, it's not for everyone. So, it's not really... It doesn't really surprise me that it's, it's like, not on your in your top five. But, because uh, there's... I mean, there's so many. There's so many of them. And, you know, I'm just such a big fan of the MCU, and I think it's, it's a great, you know, ending for, for that story. Um you know and you know you can say what you want to about you know the other elements of it but you know ultimately you know, I think Justice League Justice League gives me like you were saying Chris like it's like this Lord of the Rings mythology vibe like it's like this epic film and it's not about the jokes and whatever like i think you know Zack Snyder himself put it best it's like you know MCU they got it down action comedy they they do that they do it well we got the mythology. We got this just gigantic, you know, story. And I, I think, hell yeah, Snyder. Like that's that's what you need to be doing. Like you concentrate on your strengths, not, you know, talking about, you know, what is this better? Is this better? Like everybody has a, you know, an opinion. But ultimately, DC and Marvel both have their strengths and weaknesses, and it's best to look at those instead of going, you know, trying to marvelize the DC universe which is basically what the first justice league movie was yeah and
3: that's that is why i like you just said it right there why i like the DC and the Marvel universe is the way they are right you got the two distinct flavors and when they try to do that with the DC we, we seen what happened um but just the overall experience of of seeing a film in this format you know being at home it's not on, it's not in theaters it's not long enough to be an actual like a TV series, although they're throwing around the idea of like releasing it into parts, which I appreciated how they did include like part one through six and epilogue. So they were like nice places where you can just pause and, and go get a drink or whatever you were going to do or pause it and come back tomorrow. Yeah. So They had nice little points built in. I do, I, I would say I would like to have another experience like this. Now, looking at the future of DC, it it it's up in the air if they're ever going to do a sequel. At least wa- Warner Brothers might not do a sequel, but hey, what to say HBO Max might tap Zack Snyder and be like, "Hey, you know, I, I don't know how that would work, right? Like like if if HBO Max could possibly still override Warner Brothers' like authority on that? I, I'm not sure how any of that would work, but you got to wonder like how many subscribers did they pull in. I haven't really seen any articles and you'd think they would have been shouting from the rooftops because I mean we're all kind of like head in deep with, with the with our Twitter sphere of all, all the nerds, everybody talking about it. But I'm I'm really trying to figure out if the mass the masses out there have have really latched onto the Justice League
1: or not. Who Warner Brothers, they have quite the monster on their hands with this release. What's, what is it? The, cont- uh, restore the Snyderverse. Restore Ooh, the Snyder It ain't going away, man. They have been <laughs> emboldened. Like that. It's like the ultimate, like, okay, it works. Like we did the Snyder cut for like three years and here we are. Like they're going to be singing this tune forever. WB is going to be so tired. And, and, for the record here, um, I, I I like I support them to a certain extent. There's been some weird and potentially really bad things happening with that. Like I think they review bombs um, Godzilla vs. King Kong, which is not cool. Don't do that. Also, don't harass people and stuff like that, and don't go into uh, inappropriate posts and um, hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Do it. Do it right, guys. All right, you, you got the Snyder cut. You know. But uh, don't, don't abuse your power. Um, but, uh, yeah, they've created a monster. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it. Because they're very much like, nope, we're not doing that. We're going, you know, completed the trilogy. Boom, it's done. We're not doing any more of that. You know, Snyder's out. Um, but they might change their tune in a few years. And they're like, just, just shut them up and give them the movie that they want. But here's the thing. All the DC fans I've been talking to
3: have been on cloud nine with the release of this thing, like the diehards out there have been like, this is the movie we've always wanted. Right. Like everybody's out there. Like finally, there's a, there's a really great, if not a basic DC film. And, and they're going to, they're going to tease us with the end. Now. I don't know what the purpose of that. Like I, Zack Snyder said, he had like a trilogy of justice league movies in the works. And obviously you watched the ending. There's, there's more to come, but it's like, so, it's, ang- it's in anguishing because you're sitting there like, oh, I can't wait for the next part. But it's like, damn it, if Hollywood is going to be the barrier between the fans and what they would really like to see. And it's not like it's not like we're demanding this out of nowhere. Like they they perfectly like tee it up and tease us to the point where it's like just not fair.
1: <laughs> yeah, I understand that like Zack Snyder, like took like a major pay cut, if not like didn't get paid at all so he'd have like ultimate creative freedom but like you'd think Warner Brothers would like step in at some point and go like um no you're not gonna set up like a whole franchise with this last scene that's never gonna happen and we're never gonna hear the end of it (laughs) like you know it's a wonder they didn't you know try to stop him I I don't know what they're thinking at this point but uh, I do not want to be in their shoes
3: yeah they actually had to ask for like what was it like a couple million, if not several dozen millions of dollars, to to do reshoots from Warner yep. Brothers. So of course, Warner Brothers could have just like put their foot down, and be like, "No, you're ending it this way. Don't even try to tease the future here."
1: Yeah, and I heard like, they told Zack Snyder, like, "Oh yeah, don't do that." And then Snyder was like, uh, "I'm just gonna do it." Like he just shot stuff on his own and just like put it in the movie. <laughs> it's just, like total, like, like <laughs> you, you don't you don't tell hey, me what they, to do.
0: They straight up told him, you know, uh, don't, uh, don't, don't shoot anything new. And then he like just went and shot
1: something new. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's gotta oh, be a meme
1: man. somewhere. A meme somewhere is like, don't, Zach, don't uh, look. I shot something new. I told you not to do that. Wow. That sounds Zach like
0: Sanner. that sounds like the that sounds like the the meme between Kirk and Spock. You remember that one? Where oh, like, I remember
1: it, Captain. I- yeah, Definitely, it's the like the cartoon insane. one. Yeah. Where where uh I think it's Spock says, "Don't do the thing," and then you just Kirk running away. "I'm going to do the thing."
0: Yep, that's exactly the one. That's the one I was thinking of.
1: I think that's one like one of the first memes we ever posted on IPC like 10 years ago.
0: <laughs> probably. Probably <laughs> would not surprise so me.
1: So much nostalgia.
0: We've done a lot in our days at IPC not going to lie like what like we we have we have done quite a a numerous various things in our nearly 7 years of existence
1: didn't we found this in 2014 i think so that sounds right i it's been so long man
0: man so here's here's the thing that is kind of helping solidify this notion that uh, DC and Snyder are going separate ways Um, basically everything that was even remotely related to the stuff Snyder was trying to do has been cancelled and that includes New Gods and the Aquaman spinoff called The Trench both of those got canned within the last 48 hours
1: I heard about this
0: what do you guys make of it, though? Like, is this just further confirmation, or is this, like, a potential step in the wrong direction?
3: Well, here here's the thing with DC, right? You got so many uh, cooks in a kitchen, so to speak, right? Because you have Zack Snyder, he's off doing his thing with his movies. Then you have The Rock at his studio, it's doing, like, Shazam and Black Adam then you have uh, James Wong uh, uh, James Wan who's doing the Aquaman universe. You know, it's like and there's probably somebody else out there as well that I can't think of. But there's at least three or four oh oh JJ Abrams he's going to be doing his series. Like, so you got so many different people doing like completely different things and that's why it's like it's frustrating as obviously as fans of Marvel we we'll, we would love to see the DC universe like solidified into like one timeline but The problem is that'll probably never happen because you have all these producers that have their own uh, vision of different things, and you know that that's the thing with like these movies being canned. That's like more evidence of like what is Warner Brothers doing over there? Because it seems like every every other month we hear about things either starting up or canceling. It's like nobody can really make up their mind. I I mean the new gods. From what I, I did some research, the new gods. I believe, have something to do with Darkseid and, and those different guys we've seen um, in, in Justice League that was surrounding him, I believe. Um, and I really like that idea of Aquaman in the Dark Trench or the Trench because that was one of the movies. I might still like it more than Jack Snyder's Justice League, actually. I, I really love that movie. But I also wanted to learn so much more about what that that place was with those dark creatures, and this movie was gonna be like more of a horror based movie from some some of the stuff I heard about. But this is just chalked to lack of central direction. It seems like there's no, there should be like one or two people that kind of guide things, like a like a Kevin Feige, but DC just doesn't have that. That's the problem, I think
0: i don't know i i guess i'm just of the opinion that they are this far into the situation that they're in that bringing in a feige equivalent wouldn't fix things it would just make things more convoluted trying to find some hodgepodge way of making all of this fit together and seem like it's all part of the same thing like I'm, I'm just much more content to watch these things and embrace them for what they are now rather than trying to make them fit into one universe. I think that ship has more than sailed and we're not going to be getting a comprehensive DC universe for a while now. I think it would take you know, a break from superhero films from Warner Brothers for a few years to kind of you know, give people time to settle and hit the reset button and then you just reboot it all over the heck again with some sort of Batman origins film with somebody other than Robert Pattinson playing the role like just keep beating the hell out of that dead horse and, and milking that cow for <laughs> what's left of its chappy teat and then <laughs> just keep making another you know half a billion dollars off of the everyday consumers that are just obsessed with this franchise regardless of how immersive it is.
3: Yeah, I, I mean I'm, they could also just chalk up, hey, we're in the multiverse and, and all these characters might come together one day, but for now they're off doing their own things on their own planets.
1: Yep. I, I know the Feige comparison is a popular one and you know might even be right. I think there's one thing that Marvel has DC and Warner Brothers does not have. And something that even Lucasfilm has struggled with. It's confidence. It's confidence in what they're doing. And an ability to do something. And stay the course. And, and hire good people. And stick with those people to the end. And for better or worse sometimes. Marvel has not had you know, 100% win success. You know, they've had some duds. They've had some movies that are people like, eh, I didn't run really crazy about Thor of the Dark World. I didn't really care for Iron Man 2, whatever, but they just kept going. And people don't think about that because they made amazing films after that, and they just did it.
0: I take offense to that, sir.
1: Why? What? Iron Man 2 is the best out of the three. Oh, we're not even going to go there. We're yeah. not even going to go there. All right, we're not we're not going to have that discussion. All right, that'll be another episode, totally dedicated to me proving him wrong. All right, we'll have that. All right, um, but like, l- look at look at what they're doing now. It's just like DC has done all these things. I think like what happened with Justice League, they didn't trust Snyder. They didn't trust his vision. They didn't trust him to see it through. They didn't have the confidence in him to just let let him do his story they did Man of Steel and like okay let him do Batman v Superman. He did good with Man of Steel. Then they get halfway through Batman v Superman and it wasn't everyone's cup of tea and they're like oh my god we got to screw it up. We got to we got to screw with it. We got to take him out. So he starts doing Justice League and as soon as he leaves they start screwing with it and bring in Joss Whedon and you know what happened happened. Um so, I think, and here we are again. It's like they had all the confidence to go like, "Oh, we got this new gods in the trench, and all this stuff we wanna make, and then they cancel it because something along the lines didn't quite fall into place, or they're wanting to read up or, or you know they're not even confident in the d c e u because now you've got the Batman coming, you've got all these things, you got Joker, like I'm fine with that, but like they're not wanting to stay the course, they're just they're they're all over the place, and they're planning. And it shows, and I think it it's unfortunate that they just announce things and then they don't make them happen. I know this stuff happens behind the scenes all the time, but it has to get certain far certain amount far along for them to announce it, and then it really does suck when they pull back on it because. I'm sure this would have been great. James Wan, I I love. I loved Aquaman. Um, And Ava DuVernay, like, for crying out loud, I think she would have done amazing. I don't know what either of these properties are, to be honest. I don't know what new gods are. I'm not a big DC nut, but, like, I think they could have been amazing.
3: Yeah. um, Well, the good news is they're still playing on making that Aquaman 2. I think that is actually filming pretty soon, uh, uh, believe it or not, so...
1: There's still that
0: will not be corner. filming with Amber Heard in it.
1: No, they just need to get uh, Amelia Clark and have her use her real voice; it would match Justice League.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, For some reason, I keep hearing Amelia Clark is going to be Mera in Aquaman two.
0: I can live with that. That's actually pretty good casting. I can live with
1: that. I think you would be perfect. Yeah, I mean, really, have her, have
3: her, not have her in Solo. Now we'll just need her in a uh, a Marvel movie. And she'll be in everything, basically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, She's I'd everywhere. Okay Two, I mean, I'd be okay with, with that, too, as long as we can get <laughs> Matt LeBlanc in a Star Wars movie so his only sci-fi credit doesn't go down in history as Starship Troopers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, look at Kumal Nanjiani. Like, he's like this guy with a comedic background and... Uh... Now he's in Marvel, he's in Star Wars, like, anything's possible now. Yeah,
0: well, the only reason I thought of Amelia Clark and Matt LeBlanc is because one time they were both on the Graham Norton show, and honest to God, Graham Norton gives the best interviews. Like,
1: he puts all of the American, like, talk show hosts to shame. I'm sorry, he does.
0: Really does. Like, the stuff that he does on his show is better than if, like, Kimmel, Conan, and allen all joined up for a giant crossover night like his stuff would still be better and one time there was a a interview between him and matt leblanc was one of the guests and amelia clark was one of the other guests and during their conversation she's like can i ask you one thing um could you ask me how i'm doing (laughs) and it was so cute Because Matt, like, slowly started getting into character as Joey while he was talking with her. And then just randomly out of nowhere, he looks her up and down and goes, how you doing? (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. The way she fangirled was so cute. Like, people fangirl over her as Daenerys Targaryen she was fangirling over Joey Tribbiani and it was amazing <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's fantastic so yeah get her in the dceu please uh, friends
0: on hbo max folks i'm just saying
1: underwater daenerys
0: Hmm. I, <sighs> behind that that that's a that's a pretty good way of putting it actually i could i could live with that yeah, the one part that I booed at was Amber Heard showing up in the epilogue. I was like, really? You had to throw her there? Like, really?
1: I was very confused by, like, some of the stuff that they shot, because I'm like, wait, did, was the epilogue, was that already shot? But they were supposed to add the stuff with the Joker in there, but Amber Heard's in there. Did they get Amber Heard back for this? Like, I, I, I was like... I didn't know the timeline or like what the production was in a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I would
0: think it was pretty recent. I don't know. I I don't know if if the epilogue was part of the new material. I'm assuming it was because of the the Jared Leto stuff. But you know, maybe there were were a couple of different scenes where you know one had already been shot and then they shot some new material. I don't. I don't. I don't really know for sure.
1: I think maybe they already had that scene and they just like added joker into that because like there's like their banter and then it just switches to joker <laughs> just there yeah. uh, by the way spoilers right. joker's at the end of this movie <laughs> everybody knows that i guess because it was it was revealed but then you have like uh deathstroke is there like he like references uh, like oh uh, huh, why did you bring him along like so they had to like get joe Manganiello back however you pronounce his name do that and then i was like it's just like it, it blows my mind like what they did You know, not just for the movie, but like for the reshoots.
3: Yeah, and they laid so many seeds for stuff that I wanted to see—not not not sequel, but like prequel. Like, I would want to see that stuff with Batman and Joker and Harley Quinn. I want to see that stuff with Deathstroke and Batman. Like, there's such compelling storylines that I don't know how they'll ever be able to make them come to fruition. But I think that would be some of the coolest stuff in the entire slate if it comes out, whether or not it's a series or an HBO Max. Movie or theatrical release.
1: I know that DC really doesn't want to feel like they're copying Marvel by not doing post-credit scenes, but that scene should have been a post-credit scene. I'm just gonna throw it out there.
0: Yeah, but there was a, there was a lot of material in that epilogue. It wasn't just that particular scene. Like there was even the scene after that scene over at Batman's pad. So. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there, was, there was a lot of stuff that needed to kind of help tie up loose ends while also presenting some potential new material, leave some stuff to the imagination. I actually kind of liked the idea of having an epilogue that just takes a little bit of time out to help you say okay, I am satisfied with how things turned out because that's a problem with a lot of action flicks and hero movies is like Things just kind of come to an abrupt finish, and you're like, "Oh, I guess we're done now." So I kind of appreciated that that was part of the stuff that Zach Snyder kind of took his time with, and and made sure that people knew this this was the overall vision, and we're not cutting corners and not apologizing for anything. Mm-hmm.
4: mm-hmm. That's fair. It's
1: very fair. All right, so. Another thing that came up this week that I wanted to discuss before we, we jump into some other because we got we got some Star Wars news on the back end of the show. But we got some uh we not not one but two Suicide Squad trailers this past week. Which is pretty crazy. And I should say it's the Suicide Squad because the. It's not Suicide Squad 2 It's not anything it's just the Suicide Squads That's how they're just like the new the other one exists but it also kind of doesn't I guess I don't know but it looks good. Uh
0: I only saw the Red Band trailer. Did either of you see the the theater trailer?
3: it was interesting because it was on april fool's day i was like is this a joke because i seen it on like ign or something <laughs> like why would there be a trailer out now like don't no put out official news on april fool's day unless they're just joking with you and it actually was new footage like a whole new trailer like what the heck i don't know if i've ever seen like two trailers like, like released like i think in the same week if i'm not mistaken <laughs> so <laughs> it was because it was you get to see more of uh, king shark uh, more banter between the Suicide Squad, uh, and a little bit more from uh, Captain Flat, whatever his name, Rick Flag. I, what is his name? I, the leader that is that actually. Rick Flag. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He he's one of the few people that uh, comes back from Suicide Squad. Him and Harley Quinn. But yeah, I mean, I I am really looking forward to this. Uh, we were talking about how much of a mess DC is, obviously. But it's nice to see that there's some, you know, Marvel talents on a DC movie that looks like it's going to be all hitting all the right notes.
0: You mean, yeah, in like uh, Sylvester Stallone showing up as the voice of King Shark, and then, <laughs> you know, James Gunn's brother Sean going to be in the film. Like, they're not super notable characters, but a couple of Guardians of the Galaxy crossovers it seems. Yeah, I like. know.
1: I think
0: uh, Michael Rooker is also in this.
1: Yeah, he's Ryan's savant, savant. I think
0: two point five or something. <laughs>
1: yeah. it does but. look really. It's it's obviously it's it's James Gunn on you know on steroids with that R rating. Like he's using it fully, and I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to seeing like what he does.
0: <laughs> it's very much on display in the red band trailer. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, man. See, like
1: full on.
3: R. Eat somebody seeing somebody just literally get ripped in half and i and I found out that was actually a practical effect. They got a dummy and it just
1: ripped it apart <laughs> nice no they got a real person. I love how James Gunn was like we that was a practical effect. We didn't actually rip a real person apart though.
0: <laughs> Got to throw in that addendum nowadays because people just assume anything about you. Um, uh, can't
1: <laughs> actually put that little thing at the end of the movie that says no persons or animals were harmed in the making of this movie because that wasn't true,
0: right? Oh man, I I'm really excited for King Shark. I'm really excited for Peter Capaldi as the thinker. I'm yeah. really, I'm really excited um, to 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 see why John Cena deserves his own freaking standalone stuff oh seriously like john cena is not not dwayne brock johnson when it comes to acting why is he getting his own stuff we finally get an explanation as to why he's getting his own like spinoff material because right now i don't get but he did have a couple of good you know lines that were that were contributing to the the point of the trailer and I would like to hope that those weren't like his best lines getting thrown in there. But you never know. But I mean, overall, I don't think I'm going to care as much about the story so much as I'm going to care about the the dialogue and the sequences and the, the explosions and who's going to go rogue and who's going to save the day and you know who's going to die. That kind of stuff is the stuff that seems more important at this point to me. And I th- I have this sensation that it's going to deliver. Just based on what has been presented so far, uh, I think it's got a lot of potential.
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential. Death. I mean, look at the size that I cast, man. Like,
0: there's going to be a lot of people
3: dying. Even I think the, the, the catchphrase or something on the poster says something about death or dying. So, like, I think it says they're oh, dying
1: think... to save the world.
3: Yeah.
0: I love, I love that play on for I love that play
3: on for It's going to be fun to see these, and especially with the R rating, just to see the grisly way that these people just get knocked off. And, I mean, it's got a kaiju starfish. Like, what the heck is going on there? A gigantic
1: starfish as a boss or a end endgame villain? Having Starro in there, like, I don't know the character, like but I've just heard some people like, oh my god, Starro, I can't believe they're doing this, and I'm like, okay, this is gonna be good, like, this is, like, full-on, like, James Gunn, deep cut, just taking something ridiculous, and you know it's gonna be, like, something that's gonna be super serious, but also, like, what the hell is happening?
0: <laughs> okay, here's here's something else that we've gotta take into consideration when it comes to James Gunn, the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, everything the man does when it comes to the musical side of a movie is just a sh- straight-up banger. And so there's no reason to believe that it's not going to happen. You know, after Guardians 2 released, uh, Gunn posted a playlist on Spotify called Meredith Quill's Playlist or something like that. And it was basically a lot of the songs that came close to making it into the movie but didn't quite make the cut. And I'm really curious to see if he ends up pulling anything from that playlist or if he's got this completely other source material that he's going to use for su- for the Suicide Squad and then has completely other source material in mind for Guardians 3. Like, there's a lot of artists out there. There's a lot of music out there. I get that. But, you know, once he's taken up a lot of the classics, and once other movies have taken up a lot of the classics, is he going to borrow from a different film or is he going to follow the trends and be the one who makes a song popular again? Blue Swedes hooked on a feeling was not a very high charting song until guardians of the galaxy happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And so I'm really curious to see like what that type of song or what that type of playlist could end up looking like uh in the context of this film
3: yeah so the the fun thing is if you remember suicide squad the old 2016 or whatever one i think that was one of the biggest complaints is because i don't think the mu- music was handled as good as it should have because
0: no definitely
3: it played off as like an mtv musical video for most of the movie they <laughs> Throwing the music at the wall and just like, oh, there's, we'll, we'll put this there. Oh, we'll put this there. And it's like every five minutes, like, what is going on?
0: Here's the funny thing I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The only good thing to come out of that movie was the radio pop hit he, Heathens by 21 Pilots. Yeah, I still hear that on the radio to this day. Exactly. You hear that song on the radio just about any local pop FM station will end up playing Heathens by 21 Pilots. But you hardly hear anybody say Jack Diddley Squat about Suicide Squad, the movie for which they made that song.
1: I I do like the inclusion of uh, Dirty Work by Steely Dan. A really, I think it's a really good pick. I would assume it's Gunn picked that himself, and I hope it's in the movie because it's a it's a pretty good metaphor for the Suicide Squad.
0: No kidding, like <laughs> I've had it stuck in my
1: head ever since that trailer.
0: See, and that's what it's supposed to do. That's exactly what you know. Hurt by Johnny Cash did for Logan. It's exactly what Hooked on yeah. a field did for Guardians One. You know, as, as soon as you hear it, you start thinking of the film, mm-hmm. and that. That makes me excited that it's got that that James Gunn signature touch already, like right off the bat.
1: Yeah. They had me at James Gunn. They absolutely, like, when you heard James Gunn was doing this, I was like, I'm in. Like, I'll be honest, like, the trailers, neither one of the trailers really did a whole lot for me in, like, raising my enthusiasm. Um, I'm still really psyched to see them. Um, but, like, just having James Gunn involved in this and also just, like, you know. R-rating, you know, good soundtrack, like, that's that's what's getting me my butt in the seat to see this thing, and I'm actually going to get to see it in the theater, finally, so that's that's great, and I think, uh, yeah, uh, heck yes. Yeah, it, it, it is fascinating how this all, all came about, right? Like,
3: there's that whole scuttlebug about James in his tweets, and Marvel was going to let yeah. go, then he got him, and they probably just like let him run with any of the heroes. Like, there's like thousands of characters in DC, and he went with like the one that basically failed. It was like, oh, I think it's a good idea. Just revamp the Suicide Squad. <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing. Chooses, it's like, can you believe if, if this is actually, which we assume it will be good. If it's if it's one of the best DC movies, like, how are we gonna look back on 2016 Suicide Squad with? If this is a a big hit and a success,
0: we're gonna yeah, look at not... it as Amanda Waller's nightmare, <laughs> <laughs> from which she wakes up and then sends the actual Suicide Squad on a mission.
1: Have you seen the Rick Flag, Joel Kinneman comparison between the 2016 Suicide Squad and this one? Like, he looks like a completely different character. Like, it's funny. No, the, the one that I've seen was was the
0: one where it's the the J. Jonah Jameson meme where Marvel's like, you're fired, and then DC's like, we'll hire him. And it's like, no, wait, come back. I need you.
1: You're hired. No, wait, again. No. You're, hired. you're hired. Yeah, like, James Gunn, like, won so well on that. He's like, you know, they fired him from Guardians of the Galaxy over something I, I think was, was, was unjust. And he's like, okay, screw you guys. I'm going to go work for DC, and I'm going to make this amazing movie. And in the process, they're like, oh, 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 James, we we made a doo-doo. Can you come back and do Guardians 3? (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, we all win in the end. The fans and James Gunn won in the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I feel especially good for the fans because not only are they going to get, like, the version of Suicide Squad they deserve, but then a couple of years later, they're going to get Guardians 3. I'm bummed that Guardians 3 isn't happening sooner, obviously, but it'll be here soon. Better late than never, I suppose.
1: But here's clearly good.
0: We're getting a holiday special, don't forget. Yes! Exactly. You're actually excited about that?
1: (laughs) If anyone can make a holiday special work, it's James Gunn.
0: Gotta
3: be better than that nineteen seventy two nightmare. Right?
1: I'm telling you, how you play that off 80, is that... 1978, was it? I was off. <laughs> Peter was thinking, Quill thinking- saw the holiday special, and he loved it. That's his favorite thing of all time. I'm telling you, that's what it is. And he wants to make his own. And oh, did, did,
0: did any of y'all get to see the Lego Star Wars holiday special? Oh, it oh, was yeah. good.
1: I've seen it like three the times.
3: One, that was a lot of fun.
0: That one, That one was really good, actually. I was not expecting much from it. I don't even know how I ended up watching it, but <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised by how they did that and how accurate Ray's voice sounded. I thought Daisy Ridley actually came back for this project. That's how accurate they got the, the actress to be. It was a good job. Really Yeah, well
3: done. I, I did enjoy how they went through all of the different eras at one point, and they were just, like, falling through the portal. And it's like, oh, they end up on Tatooine. Oh, they end up with Mando. Oh, they end up here. They end up on Mustafar. It's like, it's like the smash hits, right? Like the greatest hits of, of all the eras, just mixed in one. Just a nice little way to tie everything together, and just add a lot of obvious comedy to
0: it. But so,
2: yeah. Oh, well, well,
0: man. well. Okay. Um, here, here, here's a question on off of the topic of comedy. I don't really know much about this character. But considering who's playing him, I guess it's safe to assume that Black Adam could also be like a quasi-comedy.
1: Possibly.
3: Uh, I actually think he's really serious. Okay, so the the only connection I have with Black Adam is from the Injustice 2 uh, DC fighting game, which is just one of the best fighting games. I, I don't play a lot of fighting games, but kind of up there with Mortal Kombat. It's made from the same people that make Mortal Kombat. But anyway, he is the, the prime villain against Shazam. And he's from Kandahar, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um, some like fictional place in, in, in the Middle East. And um, they gave a brief summary actually of this character in the DC fandom event over the summer. I don't know if yeah. any of you bought it, but they do have like a yeah, little, yeah, yeah. I little, saw like, that. brief summary. I, I do not know much of this guy I think he shoots lightning I think he has almost the same powers as Shazam, For the most part But I don't know if he's much of a Comedy act from At least from the game that I played
0: Huh. Well, The only thing I can hear is With, with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and the roles that he's played There's usually Some sort of comedic aspect Some kind of, of Maybe a dry wit Or a sarcasm or something like that 'cause I I find it hard to see him playing a super stoic, really serious character. It would definitely be a change in his in his acting career, but I just I don't know if they're gonna be able to go that direction and pull it off successfully. And and the reason I bring that up is because he's gonna have a a counterpart who's basically gonna be his uh his opponent in this movie. And it's none other than 007 himself, Pierce Brosnan, cast cast as Dr. Fate, playing opposite The Rock's Black Adam. I'm really really intrigued by this. I really am.
3: So have I. I freaking love the actor Pierce Brosnan, man. This is my entry into 007, which was one of my favorite things growing up as a kid, watching that movie or rewinding that VHS for any of you young kids out there. Probably, what the heck is a VHS? Well, look it up. But it wasn't a digital disc. I'll tell you that much. And um, I watched that over and over and over again. And played the N64 version of GoldenEye, which is still one of the best multiplayer games ever made in its time for sure. So I was Pierce Brown, and I was I was basically watching those those movies for 007 all the time, all the time. Even pops up in Mrs. Doubtfire, and then, but then, like after that, I don't know about you guys, but like he kind of fades away. I mean, sure, I'm sure he's in a lot of things, but he hasn't been in the forefront like he was with, you know, the good old 007 days. But to see him in a DC movie or any kind of superhero movie, I'm like, oh, I am intrigued by this. What is he gonna actually behave like? Because Doctor Fade is a very literal character. He's got this helmet, this magical helmet, which he puts on, and he just. I guess he transforms. He gets. I think he could like levitate and stuff. Again, these are some of these DC characters that are very niche. I think for the most part, uh, um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know any more about this character, but um, I do not. But he looks really cool because he's basically like a golden, sort of like angel-looking, like archangel-looking type of uh, character, and I think he's part of the Justice uh, Justice Society of America, I believe.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know much of anything about Doctor Fate, which I kind of like, because I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go into this movie and not know anything, and you know that'll that'll this will be my education. So like, uh, sounds pretty cool. And I mean, for crying out loud, Pierce Brosnan is amazing. I think that's brilliant casting.
3: Yeah, he's gonna bring because it's like with Doctor Fate again. The only reason why I know this character, I've I mean, I've read a lot of DC comics in my day but again the first appearance i've seen of this guy was in injustice 2 and that guy had such gravitas like when the character showed up in the storyline like you know crap was going down because this guy just the, just the way he behaved in his voice like he's so commanding with his presence so like yeah that really is great casting i could totally see pierce Brosnan pulling that off but it's interesting it's like so you're not actually. It's gonna be like Pedro Pascal, with The Mandalorian. You're not really gonna see his face. I don't believe. I don't <laughs> see his face within
1: the helmet. Man, interesting. Wow, that could be. Well, you know, this is I the mean, age of hiring really talented people and putting masks over their face.
0: <laughs> I mean, if this was a game of one, two, three, if I put The Rock and Pierce Brosnan into the same list. I imagine somebody would have called BS on me. You know? <laughs> <No>? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not likely. It's just
1: very, very. Chris Brosnan and The Rock. Then, oh, they've never been in a movie <laughs> together. Are you crazy? No, no, he's pulling my leg. Oh man, we gotta do that again one of these days. That was fun Jesus. stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very down for that. Absolutely, let's do that. Uh but before we do that, uh, I want to get you guys' thoughts on uh, another casting choice on the other side of the other universe. Um, we got we got somebody from DC and plenty of other films: Robin Hood, Gladiator, uh, so many others. Russell Crowe is now on the cast list for Thor: Love and Thunder. Traitor. What do you what do you guys make of this? I I, I like Russell Crowe. I don't know where he would fit in honestly. Like I feel like the <laughs> cast is pretty much set aside from the villain, but I don't see him playing a villain. So who who is, is he supposed to be in this film? Have they said are they going I to think, say? I think they have
3: Spilled the beans on this one, Zach. I I do believe in one of the articles I read. He might be just playing like a real quick cameo. If you guys remember, in I I guess it was Ragnarok or maybe yes. it was Dark World. There's like a scene where they're like acting out like different things, with like imitators. It's it's of
1: it's uh, Loki. it's uh Matt Damon and uh the other Hemsworth playing Loki and and Thor, and then uh it's uh what's his name. Sam Neill Neil is... Sam Neil is, is Odin. What? Yeah, that's from Ragnarok.
3: Dr. Grant himself is in a Marvel movie. Okay, and
1: so, uh, not, to, not to spoil anything, but, uh, well, I guess I am spoiling. Can I can I give a soft spoiler here and say what the next scene's going to be? Do you guys care? Go for it. Go so, for it. basically, in Thor Love and Thunder, and there's been set photos that have confirmed this... That uh, they're going to be bringing back the other Hemsworth. I I don't think it's Liam. It's another one. Um, and they got Matt Damon back as Loki, and then Melissa McCarthy will be playing Hela, <laughs> and they'll be recreating oh Thor Ragnarok.
0: <laughs> I I've I've seen those. I've seen pictures of her of her costume. Uh, it's ridiculous but i think it's so perfect considering how exaggerated all of those characters were in Ragnarok that to have her playing Kate Blanchett's role is freaking hilarious.
1: Luke Hemsworth think. is the other Hemsworth i was mm. trying to think of. He ah. he plays Thor and you have Matt Damon as Loki.
0: Luke not Liam. Yep. And then i have heard rumors not too long ago that um people have spotted Taika Waititi hanging out With none other than Mr. Jeff Goldblum.
1: Well, yeah. There was – okay. So there was photos at like a football game, and it's uh, Chris Hemsworth, and it's Goldblum, and it's Taika, and maybe Natalie Portman was there, and then – uh, Russell Crowe was like, they were all just like hanging out together, and I think that's where this got started, where they're like okay, wait, is Russell Crowe in the movie? Because he's hanging out with them, and then people were like wait, is Goldblum in the movie? Like, they were, there was a lot of speculation, because all these people were like hanging out in Australia right around where the set is, so like interesting stuff.
3: Dude, I need, I need more Jeff Goldblum in my life, man, because we were robbed Thanks Dang- to damn COVID of season two of the world of the world according to Jeff Goldblum on Disney Plus. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that.
1: I could and- totally see the Grandmaster coming back in some form. <laughs> I bored. want I want a Disney Plus series of the Grandmaster going around the galaxy, just eating random stuff and experiencing random stuff. It, it, but it's just Jeff world Goldblum.
0: Oh, let's see. According to the Grandmaster,
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> I love when he pops out of his ship, and all the commoners are around him, and he's like, "Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> it's a tie."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love. <laughs> they say, slaves. Don't don't use that slave word. They're they're prisoners with jobs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't use the s word <laughs> oh. yep i'm gonna have to go back and watch ragnarok now that, thanks, I'm, guys. i
1: am i am currently in the middle of showing my family the entire mcu and ragnarok is one of the movies that's up next i cannot wait yeah
0: you, you need you need to do like a spin-off podcast where you do rap, rapid reactions of movies with your parents like as soon as they finish watching it, credits roll <laughs> okay mom dad what did you think of thor ragnarok
1: and see that see they hate doing podcasts or like you know last couple times they're like oh, yeah, it's a podcast thing like i you know yeah cuz i chris and dominic were like yeah we got to get them on to talk about star wars so uh yeah it it's 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 a lot to get them on the show um i usually just, <laughs> I usually don't, don't twist their
0: arm too we well, just much. No, 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 just get, like, a, a recording app on your phone and just, like... Oh, like, secretly
1: re- record them and just have a conversation and then yes. post it publicly? Yes. That sounds legal.
0: It is, actually. In in strictest journalism senses, you are the only one that has to uh, be aware of the interview being recorded. Like, ethically, you... Are kind of obligated to say that you're recording, but legally you're not.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So,
0: yeah, kind of a kind of a gray area there. But uh, yeah, I learned that in my journalism class. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy, oh boy.
0: But I mean, like the the portable recorder devices, like Dominic's got, you just you know hit that button and be like, so what did you think uh, of da 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 da. And they'll be like, oh, well, I liked it. I didn't think this one was as good as this one, though. Like, I think those are some of the most insightful and organic conversations are the ones that are happening, like, as it's super fresh in your mind. Like, you're super bought in. You're super thinking about it a lot. Like, like those ones usually generate some of the best conversations. Like, after I finished watching Fallen Kingdom for the first time, Mondo and I spent like an hour in the parking lot just talking about the movie, and I recorded like a good portion of it just on my phone while we're standing there outside of the AMC. Cars are going by, security's doing circles around the parking lot until we leave, but we just kept standing there under the light and just kept talking, and it led to like some really really good conversation about that movie.
1: I remember that. Dang, that was good. Did you that out
4: anywhere?
0: It was fun. Speaking of uh, Jurassic World, Chris, I need, I need your your official thoughts on Jurassic World Aftermath. Like, sure. I, I I I watched some of your gameplay a little bit, and really really enjoyed what I saw. Especially the moments where the raptors like in the same room as you, and you're you're ducking under a table, and you're like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, like. Did did it give you that that sense of realism that you were actually in the room with the raptor, or or did the gameplay leave something to be desired?
3: Yeah, yeah. So this is the game called Jurassic World Aftermath, and this is available on I believe it's exclusive to the Oculus Quest Two uh, headset, which is a really cool headset by the way because you don't need like a super powered computer or any computer at all to use it. It's basically like a portable VR system. It's it's great. Um, so
0: that, I didn't realize it was self-contained. That's cool.
3: Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, you don't need cameras. All you need is, is a couple, couple like maybe a four foot by four foot space and you're you're pretty much good to go with that thing. Um, But this is a game that I've been waiting for for an experience out of a Jurassic Park video game because we haven't gotten many over the years. There's been Jurassic Park Lego games. There was like a Super Nintendo game and like a side-scrolling jurassic world game or lost world game uh for the original playstation and oh there's also a game that is a um like an rts like you build your own park which is really cool i think that's jurassic world evolution or something so this game is completely self-contained it's as you would expect for a vr game you are looking around at jurassic world you basically go back to the park this is set like after the events of of the first jurassic world the park has been evacuated it's it's a disaster everything is just left how it was and you're trying to base you're playing a no-name character that's trying to get data um that's been secured and not retrieved yet so you're going in on a plane and it is one of those experiences that is for those of you that might have played it like uh alien uh uh, isolation. I think you actually brought that one up, uh, Zach, as a good comparison, right?
0: Say that last part again. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, alien isolation. Isolation. I the...
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so... I, kept, I kept thinking that like the microphone on the Oculus needed to be turned on so that you could have that same interactive system where when you make a noise in isolation, it, it draws the alien to where you're at. It, they need to have like a similar function for aftermath where if you make a noise or you bump into something or something like that, it tips off the, the raptors as to where you are.
3: Yeah, yeah. So the game is very linear. I'll, I'll say that right away, which is disappointing. So the game, you cra- you basically crashed your airplane. Things do not go according to plan. You're supposed to have an hour to get the information, get out of there. Yeah, that, that does not happen. Um, your, your main objectives in the game are you're, you're going to try to hit certain buttons to open certain doors to keep going further along long to get to your objective there isn't much complexity to the gameplay at all but what it does really well is it gets you uh you're wondering it does get you that feeling of oh my gosh i'm in a room with a freaking velociraptor right now and i have no way of defending myself because there is no way of defending yourself this game is a survival horror game at its core there is no guns there is no melee weapons the only way to get out of here is to just sneak by and run for your life. And there's lots of moments where you probably see me like, oh my gosh, because you're you're trying to get away from the raptors and they can they can hear you. If you're not crouching, then they will hear you and they will run after you. And there's no outrunning a raptor as we know how fast those things can get. But yeah, so you're crawling on the desk. You're 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 trying to hide in cabinets and shutting the doors. It really gives you that feeling of the very first Jurassic Park when the kids are at the end of the movie and are they're in the kitchen and they're hiding it's exactly that um and that's 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 the whole game so uh, the game is not very long it's probably about three not even four hours long um but you'll be in a room with a raptor and you see the doorway and and you basically got to find out how to get around out well i mean spoiling a little bit of the middle part of the game there is a, a sequence when you go down into the depths of a subsist system and it's a blackout mode so you actually have to turn on a flashlight which is really cool because it restricts your uh, line of sight and stuff and and there's actually the Dilophosaurus that actually spit acid on you Um, and when that happens it actually gets kind of disorienting in real life now after that happened I had to actually take a break because the acid gets over my face and I was like starting to like freak out a little bit like oh crap like I can't see and you have to like run for for like the um valve on a certain kind of pipe to release water to get it off your face so after a while i was like where's the pipe where's the pipe and it had been five minutes and this is still like all over the camera so you can't really see so it's like all right i got to take a break and i had to take the the headset off it got like too real for you know i'm saying like oh crap i'm freaking out there's dinosaurs that i can't see but you know there's there's an appearance by the T Rex and another thing that disappointed me was uh well first off there 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 isn't any outdoor environments. I mean you can see out windows and stuff but the the indoor environments are very generic. It's like you're going through the same halls and there's not even really any writing on the objects. Like there will be like papers on the wall and it's like literally scribbles because, you know, like me and Zach and everybody, we'd probably be like deciphering all the all the documents on the walls. Like, oh, are they saying anything about you know Dominion or, or what's what's getting linked to this? And and it, without definitely without any spoiling anything, they do make references to certain projects that are in the work, and and we don't really get a, a concrete a- answer on that because unfortunately, as with many VR games on the Quest, the game is not completely finished yet. There there is like another DLC or whether or not I have to pay for it, um, I don't know. But the, the story ends on a cliffhanger, so I can't even say that the game's complete yet. But what I will say, again, is it's fairly generic in its approach and, and compared to other VR games, even comparing to other VR games on Oculus Quest 2, like the Star Wars um, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge has a lot more interactability with objects. Like, you could pick up mugs and stuff in that game, fruit, Whereas Jurassic World, everything is stationary. You can't like interact with anything unless it's like a key card on a table. So I I expected that a little bit more, but still this is this is a game at its core uh, game that I've wanted to play. And now with VR, it's like the closest you'll ever get to uh, being stranded on an island filled with dinosaurs and having to run away and scream for your life.
0: <laughs> hmm. Ben, do you? Remember when we um when we went to California and we did the the Void VR experience?
1: How could I forget?
0: Oh, oh my gosh. That that <laughs> that Rogue One campaign was awesome, and I can't help but wonder if eventually Void and other in-person VR programs are going to pick up on the Jurassic popularity and try and create a campaign similar to that. Oh my if, gosh. Yeah, that'd if, be amazing. If they ever imagine. Made, made Velociraptor campaign, I would be playing it like every month. Like that would be part of my monthly budget is to go up to the Void and play their
1: VR. I imagine see- if you will. Imagine real quick. If you will, like you go into a, a the area. It's like a room that we like you go into with, with secrets of the empire and you're wearing a suit or whatever that makes you feel like you're in a compound or whatever. And then on top of that, you have like real, like one of those, like those people in suits that like make it look like a real, like Velociraptor. <laughs>
4: but then it
1: shows up in the VR too. So it's a physical threat and also a mental threat. Like how freaking terrifying would that be? I think that might actually kill some people.
0: I, I just think of like the, the asset containment guys from the Jurassic world movie that had to go out into the forest to try and hunt down the Indominus. Like that would be a cool campaign because you got to have some sort of a weapon, you know, you got to be able to shoot stuff. So, you know, be someone like Hoskins's team or be someone like asset containment and you're going out into a very wild and very untamed Jurassic world, like a an Elon Nublar type of situation and you're just out there exposed and you you're going to run into, you know, the Dilophosaurus, you're going to run into a Velociraptor, you're going to run into you know, and, and Allosaurus or something like that. Like there's there's going to be threats and dangers at every turn, and oh man, you spend you spend a solid you know fifteen twenty minutes going through a a a virtual reality with dinosaurs. Like, man, a guy can dream, right? Yeah,
1: I can. Yeah, see, and...
0: see
3: how they can make that work. You would actually have like the plants like in your pathway so as you're walking like, the plants will be represented in VR and you'll actually feel the plants, like, brushing by your face. And then there might be a point where, like, the T-Rex, like, pops out and they'll have, like, a gust of wind, like, hitting down at the right that its, like, nostrils would be. Yes. And it will, like, blow in your face, like, (laughs) oh
0: my god, run! (laughs) Or actually, don't run, stay perfectly still and it might not see us. (laughs) Uh, Oh my gosh, I, I keep thinking about the, um, I keep thinking about, uh, what is it? The, 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 the sequence on Musafar where we got to go on the barge. And as soon as we step onto the barge, Ben, we feel like this warmth as we're going over the lava. Yeah. Like that, that similar type of breath of warmth that hit us just be like the warm breath of the nose of a T-Rex as, as we come around a corner or something. Oh man. And we have to like, we have to like, watch our step because maybe it's sleeping or something and, it, and it's nose is like like waist level with us and we can feel like those two pumps of air and we have to like walk really quietly so we don't wake her or something
1: yeah i don't want to i don't want to give away any spoilers for anyone that hasn't done secrets of the empire but there's one moment towards the end where a certain someone shows up and you feel genuine like fear and, like, yes. what the actual hell am I supposed to do now? We are so screwed. Yes. And, like, how can you imagine doing that with, like, a Jurassic Park game?
0: Like, like the T-Rex just charging at you, and then, like, at the very last possible second, uh, a jeep pulls up just as she's closing in on you, and you get away to the docks
1: or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It can happen. Oh, man. Disney, I hope you're listening. Or No, it wouldn't be Disney Universal. Somebody make this happen.
0: Paramount, yeah. Let's do this.
1: Whew, man. Ugh. Oh.
0: I got chills just thinking about that. <laughs> 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 uh, speaking of chills, it, it might be a little bit chillier weather than we're used to for, uh, for a certain global nerd convention. I think they're waiting for the vaccine rollout to be a little more implemented or something, but uh, moving out of its traditional summer spot and going to Thanksgiving, that is when we're now expecting for uh, San Diego Comic-Con to arrive. I personally kind of like this idea because it gives people something to do over the course of the Thanksgiving weekend, and the timing just seems Seems better than trying to rush things or have, you know, super limited attendance for something in the summer.
1: Yeah, I feel like trying to do it now is still too too early for anything of that nature. And even if they did, like, it would be like, oh, you can't do this and that and whatever. Like, I'm sure it's going to be limited in November, but like, this way they can at least do something halfway normal. Like, by... By Thanksgiving, we should be in pretty, pretty good, looking pretty good, in regards to what we've been dealing with. So, like, I, I think this is a smart move of like, you know, giving something, giving people something to look forward to, and, and not skipping a year. And, you know, this is, this is really, it's really exciting. I think this is a smart move, and I think it's it, at this point, uh, it's safe to say that we can make this work.
3: Yeah. I- I think with the with the conventions, we've all been waiting on bated breath to see who's gonna who's gonna strike first. Um, and I was one of those people that was selfishly holding on, hope that there would somehow be in some crazy reality a, a celebration that was still called last year. Like I was, just, I don't know, I was just like in denial, even though it was like clearly evident it wasn't gonna happen. I'm Like they haven't canceled it yet, and it's within two months. Like what's going on? What is happening? And at that time, it still wasn't sure. We still weren't sure on the, how bad things were quite right at that time. And they got worse. But this is promising. It's like you said, Ben, it's it's something to look forward to. Uh, vaccine rollout and everything, at least in the United States, everybody that has access to a vaccine, everybody should have access to a vaccine. So those that want one will have one. One. Um, whether or not, you know, there's I've heard of certain events are going to require uh, uh, the participants to actually have identification of one before they're able to buy a ticket. So I'm not sure how they're going to swing with, with all those details, although they do say that this is not going to be their normal caliber sized convention that they would normally have in the, in the July, July slot. This would be a more of a smaller version, which probably a lot of people are kind of exhaling with relief because a lot of us would like to go on Thanksgiving uh, uh, but there is also a lot of us that do have you know prior engagements that, that happen every year so I, I would assume that some people are probably bummed out because they might have to like break their plans they usually do with family or like the people that have to work the events might have to give up some time so, so we're not sure the magnitude of this thing or, or what could even be announced or like the news how that's going to come out of this thing. It's it's going to be just quite fascinating to see how this how the regulations and, and the guidelines work in California and all that. So, so I'm curious, very curious.
1: Indeed, yeah.
0: I've actually been putting feelers out to my dad to see if he'd be interested in going out of town because we've been to San Diego before. We actually ended up going to San Diego like a week week after comic con happened back in 2018 i want to say it was um but i haven't actually gotten to go to like a big nerd convention since like dallas comic con or something like that and that was because i was working like we my 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 atm company apparently does the portable atm machines for the um the autograph sessions and so I I got to work the event um, but that was coming up on three years ago so um, I'd really like like to have the opportunity to go out of town and do something like this but the practical nature side of me kind of also hesitates still just a little bit and is like eh eh, maybe better wait until next year you know because honestly What what kind of stuff is going to be, like, what kind of people and, and like, actors and stuff are going to be at those conventions anyway? And how much of a social distance are you going to have to keep in the autograph lines and stuff? Like, it, it just, it doesn't seem very practical at this time, or, or even by Thanksgiving time. I think a year from now, it'll be a lot better, and you'll be able to have a lot more personal experiences with the with the cast and the crew members and stuff. Com- like as of years past, compared to what would happen this year. Well, well, yeah, you
1: know, and go ahead, ben. No, no, I, I was just gonna say that, like, I, I mean, like, Disney is is open. I think Disneyland is going to be opening or open at this point. Disney World has been open for a while, and like, and uh, Happy Friends is going, like, oh yeah, I'm going to Disney. I want to go to Disney, and you know, all this kind of stuff, and like, the and this where make you wear masks or whatever. Like, I like. As much as, like, it sounds tempting to, like, go to Disney when it's, like, half capacity and there's less lines, like, I don't want to go there and wear a mask all day. I'd rather just wait until I can go when it's normal. And, you know, we're at this point, we're not that far away from things just going back to normal. Like, just wait a little bit. Literally, within a few months, things could be pretty good and feel normal and just do something like a convention And not have to wear a mask or not be afraid to shake someone's hand. Like, you know it's gonna be nice, guys, is all I'm saying. We can actually like live like we used to. You remember back in those days we're all clean freaks and all this crazy stuff? Um we could just uh be normal? Yeah, it's it's coming again.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it's coming up on two years (laughs) since I first met you and and a whole bunch of the Star Wars in uh, Chicago. And I'm like, how's that been two years? When I'm looking back, we didn't have a care in the world. Like, everybody was just, like, high-fiving, shaking hands. We were all packed in, you know, at the various after-party things and whatnot. And it was like, just looking at that and just the the risk that we would have in our minds if we got anywhere like that again now, it's like, this is crazy.
1: It's so funny. So funny. We were so naive.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about because I've never been to a celebration.
1: Well, we're gonna fix that, all right. Yeah. <laughs> one of these days, one of these days, I'm gonna say you're going to celebration, Zach, and he's gonna, he's gonna say, "Yes, I am," and there's gonna be no argument. And even if I have to kidnap you, we're going.
0: Yeah. I think by the time that comes around I I'll have to also check things over with the with the girl friend but that's definitely something
1: Bring her along yeah, then. Fuck. Bring along the misses. It's fun for the whole family. If you can have the, both of us then, uh,
0: then yeah. yeah I'm all for that.
1: <laughs> seriously ser- seriously though like I can't go to celebration by myself. I don't have a significant other, but I have parents. And they're not, like, the overprotective type that won't let me leave town by myself. Like, I have done things by myself. They enjoy celebration. Like, they want to go all the time. Like, so, I'm currently trying to get them tickets right now because through the ticket exchange because I, they ran out um, when I first ordered mine. But, uh, you know, it, it really is like it's a, it's an experience for everyone.
3: Wow. Um I real quick, so you still can't just like go on their website and just buy a ticket right now? They're they're still no, like sold.
1: They're they're sold out. Like they and everyone that bought tickets got a chance to like port them over to the next year. Cause obviously it's supposed to happen in twenty twenty. It didn't happen, they moved it to twenty twenty two. And so now we're happens next year. It's still a long way away, but it's next year, yay. Um but uh, yeah, they they have the ticket exchange, and I'm like 150th in line still. Oh my, my
3: gosh! I had no idea. I figured there would be like a lot of people. I would just say, "Screw this, I'm out," you know. Oh, but yeah,
1: you'd think so. You'd think so, but uh, I guess not.
3: Star Wars fans are hardcore, man. They'll risk their lives to go to this convention. Apparently,
1: <laughs> <They're> crazy man. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, dudes. <laughs> Speaking of Star Wars, we've got Star Wars to talk about, but we will do it right after this short break. On the flip side, we'll be talking Kenobi and the Bad Batch to close out our newsreel discussion. So for those of you that are fans of the galaxy far, far away, don't go too far away. We'll be right back after this break. The Intergalactic Pete Coalition podcast continues.
2: This is IPC.
1: Right, guys, we are back with more of the IPC Podcast. Of course, we want to give a special shout out to our patrons, Joey Mays, Ryan H., Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Carrie Fleming. They keep the lights on here at IPC. Um, uh, and yeah, we're uh, working on an even better patron system, hopefully, in the near future, hopefully over on Patreon, so definitely keep an eye out for that. I know we've been teasing it for a while, but it's still happening, all right? We've had a lot of stuff going on, all right? So give us—we appreciate your patience, and uh, we'll be coming to you with some more information on that very, very soon. But, yeah, you can uh, currently support us on Patreon. Uh, uh, You uh, can—but you can uh, go—we'll give you some more information in the near future, about where you can support us. But uh, thank you to Joey, Ryan, Rachel, Dan, and Carrie for being awesome people! Um, So, we got a little bit more to go tonight before we call it a night, and one of the biggest pieces of news to come out of the entertainment world the past week or so has been from the Star Wars universe, and specifically... Lucasfilm revealing the new cast of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And uh, this is a stacked cast. Like, my goodness. And it's got some names on here that you might have expected, but a lot of names that you probably didn't expect. And we're going to go through them right now. Um, Starting with Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Moses Ingram, Joel Edgerton, Bonnie Peace, Kumal Nan- Nanjiani. I-, I know I'm butchering the guy's name. I'm sorry. I love him as an actor, but I know I'm butchering his name. Um, Indari Varma, Rupert Friend, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Sung Kang, Simone Kessel, and Bed- S- Benny Sad Safdie. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm butchering all these names. Benny Safdie. Mike, Chris, get your reaction first, man. What was your initial impressions upon hearing this amazing cast?
3: Well, first off, it was basically about time because kept <laughs> hearing, like, oh, from the rumors, we're going to start filming. I think you guys at Star Wars we were like, oh, they're filming in Boston. We're hearing this rumor <laughs> about, like, Boston England. No, it's not over there. It's like we don't know where the heck this thing is being filmed or when but now we actually have a date um but yeah seeing this it was cool i love i want to see more of that from from star wars just like putting out a nice image with all the cast with all the images uh, uh you know of their portraits and all but uh, unlike a lot of the other star wars uh, cast lists like i think they did something like this for like last jedi and probably for the rise of skywalker it's like i always knew most of those actors It's like okay there's always two or three n- New ones that I don't recognize. Fine. It was a flip flop on this one for me. I was like, yeah, I know maybe like five people out of this entire list, which at first I'm like, okay. And then the more I think about it, I'm like, I prefer my Star Wars to be with more of the people I'm not familiar with because I'm able to then, after I see this series, kind of always see them as a Star Wars character rather than an actor playing in a Star Wars thing, right? Like, I'd rather right. just have that association of them being that character now i know when i see indira varma i'm automatically going to be thinking of Ilaria sand which happens to be Pedro pascal's um a compatriot in game of thrones um so so that'll be interesting to see her but i mean we're looking at the credits you guys have listed the credits for all these actors that i'm, I'm looking i'm like these are some talented people they have been playing in so many good things from different um, films to different TV series so they all seem like they're very seasoned and they're very diverse, a very, very diverse class, uh, cast which is always nice to see fill out the rings and, and anything Star Wars related so I, I, I can't wait to see and to see like okay we, we know that probably one, one of these people is going to be playing a droid right? Out of all these casts there's probably going to be a new droid to some degree <laughs> one of these people is probably going to be playing some kind of alien creature that either A is going to be all VO or B uh, it's just going to be yeah basically VO for the most part or in makeup and stuff like that so you can't even recognize them but it's just like like putting two two and two together like who is going to be the Imperial agent who is going to be maybe an, an Inquisitor I think it was actually Moses Ingram something got out about her her saying like she liked playing with with the lightsaber props or something. So automatically people are like, yeah. "Gosh, that, that could be some kind of uh some kind of inquisitor or something." And it makes sense because in a press release they also mentioned a timeline, ten years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, which is in- interesting because I believe when I first announced this it was only like six years. So we know they they got a new writer, they replaced the writer, and now we're gonna be right around. The same time as solo Star Wars stories, so that's technically still in the, in the new era that they kind of created. They have with the higher public, they have like partitioned out little sub eras in Star Wars, and this is during the reign of the Empire, I believe. Um, so that 10 years, it's still still quite a ways from Rebels, but it's smack it's like basically smack dab in between both trilogies here. So, I'm also looking to see, hey, is there going to be uh, some crossover between like the prequels and, and in the OT, and of course, I have to mention it's nice to see Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Peace as Owen and Brew coming back. That's going to add a lot more uh, to to the story, I think. Uh, from from seeing them more more often, you know.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like you know, lo- I love seeing them back in his roles, and also just seeing just this massive, diverse set of people that. I never would have picked myself because some of them I've never even heard of and others I never pictured being in a Star Wars project before. And it's just amazing. You know, we were talking about uh, MonsterVerse off the top. You got O'Shea Jackson Jr. from – he's from – Godzilla Kings of Monsters um, he's also the son of Ice Cube, which is cool um, you got uh, Sung Kang who those who may remember him as Han in Fast and the Funer- Fast and the Furious movies um, which I think also Han is supposed to be coming back in those movies, I think. So uh, he's he's having a big big time as an actor. He's also in Ray of the Last Dragon, and then so many others. You know, um, Moses Ingram is from Queen's Gambit, which has been huge this year. So uh, yeah, so much talent, so much you know unexpected. Like okay, what, what you know, and obviously, like you're saying, like so many of so many of them could be from different you know playing different roles some of them could just be cameos some of them could be droids or aliens or whatever but any of them uh, i think will be great to see them you know f- see some really great talent in this show and you know still we we know nothing about it other than apparently Vader and Obi-Wan are going to fight again i guess i am envious of the
3: people that were the stockholders or whoever had stake in the company that actually got to see that blacked out footage that was Dornian investors day um, presentation because I some stuff about that. Out what they seen and man oh man was that surprising like they had Anakin going back to the Jedi temple and some kind of flashback I would assume and just a bunch of like really cool locales and oh man I hope we get to see see some of that they they. Hopefully they'll like release it. Maybe there was just like a a couple month embargo on it or something. Now with this being starting shooting, hey, maybe they could throw that out there when they officially start saying, "Hey, we're filming now. Here's this." I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's I don't know. We I mean we were during the break we were talking about you know the possibility of a trailer when that might show up and what we might get like. You know, there's been screen tests and stuff like that. You know, there's been behind the scenes footage, and they're they're gearing up for this. And there's there's costume fittings, and they're 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 sizing Hayden up for that Vader costume again, and they're they're getting Ewan in his in his brown cloak back, and. You know, and, and, you know, all these guys are getting into costume and, and getting ready for this. You know, it, it's, I would love to see just a little bit, just something. Like, one of my favorite things ever is, uh, you know, favorite behind the scenes things was like when they announced episode eight was filming. I think we didn't even know it was last year at the time, but it was just Luke and Ray up on the thing and then he'll cut and it's Ryan and they just, like, it was just this huge thing. I'm like, oh my god, you know, episode eight's filming. It's over. This is so cool. Like, I hope we get something like that. Like, just give us something that can kind of, like, you know, obviously they're not going to give anything away, but you know, give us something. Show us, you know, Ewan on set. Ewan in costume. Hayden, Ewan just hanging out on set again. Like, it would successfully break the internet and i'm here for it
3: yeah it, it's just nice to know that it's tangible and when you look at the greater scope of, of the slate that's happening with star wars at disney plus it's just mind-blowing how we have you know the book of boba fett which i assume is probably done filming by now which is coming out at the end of this, this year but I then you also assume, have yeah. Mando season 3 Mando season 3 is going to be starting shooting very soon if, if it hasn't started already Cassie and Andor is probably in post production. Well, actually, no, you guys just posted a picture of uh, set photos or something, not like today or yesterday. Yeah, that's, that's been floating around. Plus, Obi-Wan. Plus, I hope we're going to get a bad batch season two. And I haven't even seen the first episode yet, but I assume that's probably going to be happening. But yeah, just all those things in production at the same time. As Star Wars fans, it's like, man, we are being spoiled right now.
1: I am telling you, man, is it's it spoiled or is it being treated to after
0: a very long hiatus? You know That too. You you finish with um with Revenge of the Sith in two thousand five, and then the only thing between that and twenty fifteen is one TV show. More or less. And I think Rebels started in what twenty fourteen was it? But did it start later. Yeah. I think it was twenty fourteen. Yeah. yeah. So so like the first season of a second show and then pretty much everything else was just one show for almost a decade. And now with Disney at the helm, so much content, so much potential. And, and uh I'm I'm excited. I'm mostly excited for Indira of Arma. Mm-hmm. I, I loved her in Game of Thrones. I'm really excited to see what she does there. O'Shea Jackson Jr. was a nice surprise considering I had literally just watched King of the Monsters, like, yesterday. So, <laughs> uh, like, all of that was, was really was really nice to see, but I, I kind of like how shrouded in mystery the show is currently because it, it gives the opportunity to just sit back and enjoy what gets presented when the time comes.
3: Yeah, and we do know this being directed uh, by by one of the veterans uh, from the Mandalorian season one, so we know that it's in good hands, right? I, we feel pretty pretty safe about at least the direction of this show where it's going. But it's also interesting to think that it's going to be, I guess, akin to what's airing now on Disney+, Plus, which is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, that is being promoted as an event series that is only six episodes long. So it's not very long. All of the episodes have been a really good length. You know, the last one that came out today, I think, was just a little above 50 minutes long. So I would assume we're going to get that kind of longer format, but every one of the episodes is going to be, hopefully, even grander in scope than The Mandalorian, from what I would imagine. And they're going to really throw everything they can have longer episodes maybe have more p- practical effects although I think they are going to be using the, the volume a lot from some things I heard but yeah this is something that fans have been wondering about if, if they would ever have something with Ewan McGregor back in and he's the perfect age you know it's like 15 years or so by the time he's done you know filming the Revenge of the Sith and he's doing this again so you got to age him up a little bit but it's right like i said smack dab so in the middle of him being for revenge of sith and going into the um uh the original trilogy is ben kenobi so i can't wait to see what he looks like first of all see like how age, age, how much aged up they'll, they'll try to make him with the makeup you know
0: yeah
1: I yeah, just, I, i'm I
0: just yeah see good. him kick ass in a cantina
1: again Cutting off arms, man. Cut off some more arms. He's going to cut off all everybody's arms. Dude, he
0: did it so casually in A New Hope, just a flick of the wrist.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He really did, though. Yeah, we're we're just going to, like, the opening shot is just going to be, like, going into a bar, and, like, everyone in the bar is missing an arm. And it's just like Obi-Wan just walks out smoking. (laughs)
3: <laughs> have you have you guys um ever read any of the marvel like little, little short stories they were having with with ben kenobi like there was this moment where luke finds his journal from his old hut and he's like reminiscing like he's reading his stories when he he has some downtime flying in his x-wing and it like, goes back to like flashbacks have you have you guys seen any of those
0: or read any of those I'll, I'll I think I've
1: gotten to some of them.
0: My number of comics that I've read is is very very slim. All right.
3: Well, if there's any indication of what the storylines might be like for this, I, I mean, I would appreciate if they maybe make hints or whatever. I don't even know exactly when those were, but there's some really cool stories about Obi Wan dealing with the Huts and stuff like that, and these are canon. You know, these are in the current continuity of of, of Star Wars right now, so. Uh, They're dealing, you know, he's dealing with Owen, you know, Ben's dealing with Owen, like Owen comes to his hut and is telling him, like, to stay away from Luke and all. So there's like some pretty cool drama that is really turned up in, in, in places where I didn't kind of expect it. But when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that does make sense. They wouldn't want to this like creepy random guy just hovering around my nephew all the time. And then <laughs> you have the huts that are doing like a wa- the water tax on the moisture evaporator farmers around the area, so you have Ben Kenobi kind of intervening and using a little, little bit of the Force, but like trying his best to not, you know, just outwardly like force push somebody halfway across the desert. He's doing like little mind tricks and things like that to be nondescript. So I would like to see some of that implemented. Um, but also, let me let me ask you guys uh, the question: Do you think that they could actually leave? The planet of Tatooine at some point during the story. I mean, it is only six episodes, so they don't have a whole lot of time
1: to work with. But could that be a possibility? Uh, I think I think it's gen definitely possible. I think you could see Obi Wan leave. I think a lot of people are against that, and I understand that. But uh, you know, I think I think it will come down to you know maybe. Maybe Obi-Wan is there to protect Luke. He's there to make sure he's not discovered. Well, maybe Obi-Wan being there threatens him. Threatens, you know, him being discovered. And he say, oh, okay, I have to leave because maybe Vader's going to be here someday. You know, maybe Vader's going to be on the planet for some reason and I can't be sensed. So I need to go off and draw Vader away so that he he, he thinks that I'm dead or thinks that, you know... There's nothing on Tatooine for him.
3: Yeah, I'm just very curious about the aspect of how Hayden Christensen is going to be used in this. I mean, really, we've seen him in the suit for him in Revenge of the Sith, and you don't get an actor like Hayden Christensen to just be in a Darth Vader suit. You know, that's what you get the guy that did, did the role. I forget what his name was that did it in Rogue One. I mean... You get him to fill out the suit. He looked great. That's like one of the best scenes in current Star Wars period right now. Is that 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 action sequence? But so yeah, it's like, what is going to go on? Is there going to be a lot of Force um, creation stuff or something like that, where they're going to have like Obi Wan and when he looks at Vader, it's it's Anakin's visage rather than Vader's. Like how that's the part that I'm most intrigued by. How why would they get Hayden Christensen back if? If they're not gonna do flashbacks, how is he
1: gonna be used? Could be a really cool game. I'm really interested to see how they the mechanics of Anakin Vader, Obi Wan, that's the most interesting part of this to me.
0: Well, I don't know about you guys, but after talking about it even just a little bit, I'm already more hyped than I was before <laughs> looking at the cast list. Just the speculation, the intrigue, the the sense of awe on wonder the the hype as our friend Jeff White often coins the phrase like there is definitely a lot to look forward to from this series and I I was surprised when they announced it was happening but the the, the more it gets discussed the more ready I am for this to happen it's just it's very exciting
3: right cuz at the time it seemed like that the route they were gonna go. Lucasfilm was like, all right, we're putting out a Han Solo movie. Alright, we're putting out an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. And it's like oh, okay, we're, we're we're sticking with with these major characters. I get it. It's safe, right? It's it's guaranteed to make money until Solo came out and it was like, wait, what the hell happened there? You know, one of the most psychotic Star Wars characters and the movie somehow didn't make its own money back. Um so yeah there was a little bit of like oh do we do we really need an obi-wan kenobi movie like is this really gonna be worth the wait is we have so many other eras in star wars that are opening up like the high republic or maybe post uh the rise of Skywalker. but but here we are with our like fifth or sixth story set in that dark age of, of the empire with 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 uh between revenge of the sith and a new hope so i'm hoping that this story is worth us going back into this this select era for like the time or whatever it's been. But I'm sure they're going to make it work because out of all the actors from that era, I think it's safe to say that like Ewan McGregor is pretty much a lot of people's favorite part about the prequels in general. So, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Now we
0: get to expand upon it even more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cannot wait.
0: Uh, You and me both, man. Okay, we told people before the break that we would touch on the Bad Batch. I know we're running out of time. uh, Let's just give like 60 second impressions on the trailer and what we are looking forward to the most out of this show. I know that the link is available for people to watch the trailer. Some people have already seen it. If you haven't, go take a look at it. But, But Chris, if you had to sum up your impressions of the bad batch trailer in 60 seconds how would you do it
3: i would say it is basically the a team of star wars slash ninja turtles whatever uh alpha team you want to think of because i'm getting that vibe i liked the um the the overture of of tarkin explaining about what they're good at but then you also have a brand new character of omega there's a lot of mystery shrouded uh, shrouded around that character are they a clone? Are they actually a clone of Django? Or they may be a clone of somebody else at that Camino facility? Also, we get some really cool looks at Saul Guerrero. Saul Guerrero is back, not voiced by um, Forrest Whitaker, but voiced by the original actor that played him in Season 5 of The Clone Wars. So very pumped to see more Saul Guerrero and seeing more uh, Partisans, because that guy is all over the place during that era. And we get to see more Fennec Shand. We get to see... Uh, we going to get to actually hear uh, make that win actually say a line in that. So there's a lot of cool stuff. Bounty Hunters, we got the Empire, we got the early clone troopers that will eventually turn into the, the uh, stormtroopers there. So this is what I expected. We didn't see a whole lot of like mind-blowing different um, sequences. In fact, I don't know if we've seen really any new locations in this very trailer, but it still did its job, which is to get me excited uh, for May the 4th and for an extra long episode of seventy minutes in length, like I, I, this, that's amazing. That's basically a mini movie right
1: there. I'm I'm excited for it.
0: And how about you, man? Sixty second impressions on the Bad Batch
1: trailer. All right. Well, I'll do it in thirty. All right, because uh, you know, I'm so excited, and this this one is like this trailer just looks so great. I, I dare say the animation looks even better than it did for Clone Wars Season 7 and, you know, it really feels like just a continuation of that show. This is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly the kind of show that I've wanted for so long, even before Clone Wars ended. And, uh, I really cannot wait to watch each and every episode, and of course we're going to have extensive thoughts about Bad Batch on IPC, because uh, naturally we're huge fans. We're going to devote some time to it, so I can't wait till we can uh, sit down and and talk about each and every episode. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah, what's funny is this show was founded on our interest in talking about the Clone Wars in greater depth among other shows. And uh, a lot of our story arcs off of the front end of the program we're talking about stuff from seasons 1 and 2 of the Clone Wars and so it's seeing how it's come full circle to talking about stuff that happens at the early stages of the Clone Wars and now we're looking at the early stages of the Empire from the perspective of a lot of these types of characters and yeah like you said having uh, Fennec Shand appear and having you know Tarkin with an increased role going back to Kamino uh, getting to look at this basically the A-team of Um, of the Clone Wars. Having a new character thrown into the mix as well always adds a little intrigue. Um, I I am going to go ahead and put this out there now. Um, Omega is supposedly looking like they're going to be the next Ahsoka, but I don't believe they will live up to those expectations. So I'm hoping that they don't necessarily Set those expectations from the onset because if they do, then things are going to fall flat. I I say we just try and embrace these characters for who they are rather than who they are, you know, following in the footsteps of. And we just uh, enjoy the ride because that 70 minute pilot is going to be so much fun. Most of the, the Clone Wars stuff that we got has been in, you know, 25 minute spurts, 21 to 24 usually. So to have 70 minutes worth of content right off the top is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And I have a lot of reason to be excited for Star Wars Day now. And it's namely thanks to what I saw in this trailer. Completely agree with what you guys have said about anticipation, animation style. Wanting something like this to be able to take a look at what happens after the Clone Wars. It's setting itself up to be really awesome and I'm really excited.
1: Hey, freaking man.
0: Captain Rex
3: is in that trailer, and man, that's going to really tie things even more together. I can't wait for that. I love how they
1: just threw him mm-hmm. in there, and the internet just broke. Like, Captain Rex, he's in two scenes, but he's there, yay! Yeah, you you would have thought he would have been like a bigger, like,
3: entrance. right. You would have thought he would have set a line or like a close-up on his helmet, but like, if you blink,
0: you would have missed it, you know? Yeah, oh, man. Well, good thing the internet doesn't blink. They take screen. Grabs of literally every frame that happens in a trailer. So, <laughs> good, good stuff. May yeah. the fourth is when that comes out. For those of you who didn't know, so be on the lookout for that. Come Star Wars Day, I know I will. Hell yeah, uh, guys! I know we're pressed for time. We got a couple of little things that we got to do before we close up the show. Uh, starting with quote of the night, we're not going to put in an actual quote. We're going to go old school, kind of like the. Way we did in the old days of IPC, and we're actually going to try and like come up with quotes from memory. So, um Chris, you're the guest this evening. Do you have a favorite Kenobi quote? Since we're getting hyped about the Kenobi series.
3: Oh man, putting me on the spot here. uh Let's see. In the show
0: notes, bud, you've had two hours <laughs> to think about this. Technically,
3: <laughs> shoot. You caught me red-handed. What can I say? <laughs> didn't scroll down all the way on that one.
1: Look, uh, look, you're not the only one about, that didn't scroll all, all the way down. All right, so let's just let's let's not let's not be pointing fingers here.
0: Guilty as charged. <laughs> I threw some stuff in the show notes that Ben had already put in there. We were. Not communicating. <laughs> well, the
1: show notes were really, really long this week. All right, so like I think it's fair. We have a lot
0: to talk about. We had a lot to talk about, and now we're paying for it on the back end. But um, if y'all want me to, I, I can I can lead
1: off because. um... Give Chris a minute to I, think. I, I got one. Okay. Who's more,
3: more foolish? The fool, or the fool that follows him.
1: He stole mine.
2: He stole mine. Ah. <laughs> uh.
0: <clears throat> so does it does it have to be a pull quote, or can it be like an interaction because his his conversation on the landing pad with Anakin slash Vader in episode three is probably like some of my favorite Kenobi quotes
1: you son of a that was my second choice. <laughs> Sure, Ben. Sure. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Well, what was your third option, Ben? I am Maybe not lying either.
1: I am not lying. I'm like, okay, my first choice is fool do Oh dang it okay, Chris. Well I'm thinking I love the landing plans. Dang it, no. <laughs> no, what do I do? Keep going, whatever, keep All talking. Right, I need more go. time to figure this out. <laughs> I'll backtrack. Okay. And- Another another one
0: that I really enjoy. I find myself quoting the conversation between uh, uh, Obi Wan and uh, Dooku when he's in the interrogation chamber.
4: I find uh, myself yeah.
0: quoting that scene a lot because because there's so much gravitas from Sir Christopher Lee, and and somehow Ewan McGregor is able to match him stride for stride, like the the steely gaze, the dry wit, the the Passing of information back and forth. Not sure whether it's truthful or not. Like, I, I love that whole sequence, especially when he's like spinning in a circle, and he turns yeah. and looks at him, and he's like, "Qui Gon would never join you." Like,
1: it's great ugh. stuff. Yeah, great stuff.
3: Yeah, they enhance it. They enhance it by simply by him spinning like so obtusely in a circle in this like, you know, invisible like chain I I don't like force field thing. Yeah. So it actually does make the scene even more interesting because you got that going on the whole time. <laughs> yep.
1: I'll yep. tell you okay, I have a selection here and I'm gonna say that one of my favorite things about Obi Wan Kenobi is his his dry wit and his ability to stay cool even in the most intense situations and turn that into just just basically start roasting someone. And that is none more clear than in the moment in, I think it's end of season four of Clone Wars, where Maul and Savage have captured him, and they're, like, torturing him. And, like, clearly (laughs) he is in a really tough spot, but he just won't let them have it. And he just keeps, like, throwing these one-liners at him like, I like your new legs. They make you look taller, and uh, you know, or, or, or this the whole thing about like uh, when I when I cut you in half, I should have aimed your neck. Like it's just he's so like just he's like I'm just gonna get under your skin. Like you may end up killing me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fricking humiliate you the entire time.
0: <laughs> oh man, I I'd almost forgotten those jabs. I, I don't know why. I need to go back and watch that all arc again honestly like um, I I think I think at one point he uh, Ventress tries to help him and she says you want to run and he says I learned it from you
1: or I like <laughs> uh, I like when he she, she gives him a lightsaber because he's lost his and he's like uh, no that's fine red's not my color
0: yeah <laughs> she says I want that back and he's like that's fine <laughs> <laughs> oh Man, so I, can't many good ones. I can't wait to see and experience more of that wit. Ewan McGregor just delivers that character so perfectly, and we are blessed to live in an era where we get to see a little bit more of him, even if it's just for a miniseries.
1: Here, here's a cameo. Here's an actor that I want to see in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and I know it's probably a long shot, but uh, Lucasfilm humor me here. What if we had James Arnold Taylor just show up in like a bar scene? He's not playing Obi Wan, but he's just like he's just like someone who harasses you and McGregor. How awesome would that be?
3: I would not put it past them. They they got Matt Lattner in there for season one of Mandalorian. They've already got a Clone Wars
0: veteran in there. set the Why precedent.
1: Not? You're not wrong,
0: dude. What if you had him like as a as a, a drunk in a cantina? Who is like tired of Ewan's Obi-Wan pontificating and so he starts mocking him in James Arnold Taylor's Kenobi <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that would be so mad And and, and Ewan is this looking is at him, how this is how you sound it. like to me and then he'd be like I do wish you'd stop doing that and then James <laughs> Arnold Taylor totally would be like I do wish you'd stop doing that
1: <laughs> what are you repeating everything I'm saying? what are you repeating everything I'm saying?
0: exactly <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you do a back and forth of something like that. <laughs> where Ewan McGregor cuts his arm Taylor off. Taylor. Yes! <laughs> I'd be fine with that.
3: <laughs> you gotta have one one
0: point where somebody loses a limb in a Star Wars. It's gotta happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially at the hands of someone like Obi-Wan. It's got to happen. Yep. Simply got to happen. We that's
1: also the most, that's have the most one unbelievable part got... of the sequel trilogy, is that that Rey ended up being a Skywalker, made it the whole trilogy without losing a hand.
0: Huh. That's a bummer.
1: I mean, not for her. She she made it out with all her limbs. Yeah,
0: but they, they broke the trend. Ugh, I'm not even going to get into that.
1: <laughs> they ruined it!
0: <laughs> Boycott Disney, Star Wars is ru- ruined. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Got to shift gears one last time before we call it a night. It's already past midnight out there by where Chris is at. We've, we've kept him way longer than we promised. So let's get out our hashtags and go ahead and put them in the chat. Put them alive Put them wherever hashtags can be put. Because it's time for another edition of Hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. Barbecue.
2: Barbecue.
0: Barbecue. Bop bop
2: bop it, barbecue it, barbecue it, barbecue it. barbecue sauce, barbecue sauce. Barbecue. 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 barbecue, barbecue,
0: barbecue, barbecue. Watch. All right, guys, we're we're back for another edition of barbecue watch and you know what I'm I'm actually going to kind of bring it all the way back around to the top of the show where we kind of gave our thoughts on how the monster verse is shaping up and gave our thoughts on the Snyder cut and I'm just going to pitch this to you out of the members of the Justice League that we saw in the Snyder cut
1: how would they taste
0: no not how would they taste I'm not, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be that cannibalistic in meta. Uh, um, I'm, I'm just going to ask, who do you think would be the best grill master out of the Justice League?
3: Oh, uh, definitely be Cyborg. Because Cyborg is basically a computer, so he knows exactly the temperature at which, which to cook the meat, and he's got the tools to do it that are already inside of his, his freaking system. He could just get the lasers. It would be perfectly calibrated. And, and, you know, he could go slow-cook it. He could could do it real quick with the settings. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this guy has access to every possible recipe across the entire world or metaverse, actually, because he could just tap into anything. So, yeah, I don't think you could go wrong with Cyborg
0: there. It's an interesting perspective. I I like the idea of the access and, and the... The science behind it but as someone who has like been around pit masters and grill masters uh and and done a little bit myself not nearly as much as other people i i have come to learn that there is a little bit of an instinctual methodology to it as well like yeah you need to have it in the right temperature range but sometimes you just have to you have to feel your way through it as far as what rubs to use, how much of it to use your spices, your salts, your duration that you're, that you're cooking something for. Like there's, there's, there's some stuff that, that a computer just won't get it to the, the magic that someone with the right instincts could do it with. And if we're talking about somebody who, works off of instincts and still finds a way to make things come out right, um, I think I might give the edge to Aquaman. Oh. I, I think his instincts serve him well, and I think he'd know a couple of slow-cooking fish recipes, possibly.
1: How would you cook something underwater?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I didn't say he'd hosted in Atlantis. I just said that he's got he's got the the instincts and and that 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 gutsy know-how that I typically attribute with grill masters and pit masters.
1: I'm just I'm sorry. I'm just picturing now like he's on the ocean floor and he's got one of those air bubbles out and he's got a grill in the middle of it. But then the smoke has nowhere hey. to go, so the so it's just hey. a big smoke ball in the middle of the ocean.
0: <laughs> hey, if SpongeBob SquarePants can have a fire in Bikini Bottom, Aquaman can have a grill party.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, here's who I think would have the best instincts with, with uh, cooking and specifically barbecue. I honestly think the best cook, the best naturally possibly trained cook on the Justice League would be Superman himself, Clark Kent. He has the most blue-collar background of anyone. He grew up in Kansas. Grew up on a farm. You know he's been to some barbecues. You know he's, he's cooked. His mom and dad probably taught him how to cook and do stuff. I think... I think he would be a mean pitmaster. And also, he could just, like, you know, flip stuff with his fingers. He wouldn't need a spatula. Like, he could just do it because he won't get burned from and, the grill.
0: Who needs a fire when you can just sear the steaks with your eyes?
1: Like, in seconds! Like, just, you know... And if they're too if they're too warm, you just, you know, breathe on them a little bit and they're they're cold.
0: Ugh... <sighs> Uh interesting that we all came up with different options.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> I, lo- I love these types of discussions. Who do you think, to l- asking people who are listening after the fact or people who are listening live right now, who do you think of the Justice League would be the uh, the best grill master? I-, I do feel like Batman would put on the best party. Like, yeah. obviously, Bruce Wayne's Money would be able to host, like, the best cookout but uh i think I think it would be somebody else that has the the instincts that actually prep the food uh in in the best way possible yeah. uh, he's not a part of the actual justice league, but I mean even in the snyder cut, he says, "I work for him. what about alfred i honestly Alfred
1: might be the best choice
0: i uh... I mean, he gets edgy when people try and make their own tea. Imagine if they tried to cook their own steaks. He would just have a kitten. (laughs) He's like, no, let me do that. No, no, Miss Diana. I shall prepare your vegetables for you.
1: My God is is Jeremy Irons just the best actor. Like being able to portray like angst and like anxiousness. While watching someone do someone else, you know you can do better. Like he's so good at that. Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah. He did. He did a fantastic job. I, I actually, I really, really like Irons as Alfred. I was a little skeptical at first, but I I was officially sold. Even more so than I was with the Justice League, but with the Snyder Cut, completely sold me. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Michael Caine. I really, really do. But I think the, the relationship between Bruce and Alfred is a really important component. And they just seem really, really close in the Snyder Cut. I I like that dynamic between the two of them. For sure. Awesome. All right, well, I think it's about time to call it a night. A reminder to go find us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. The RIPC is available on Facebook. Phantom Empire. I am hosting a show called Fandom News Now. Ben is involved over at Culture Slate, and we've got previous episodes available on StarWarsUnderworld.com, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a rate and review so that we can uh, figure out how we can continue to improve this program. And you can go check out all of our episodes now unlocked and available over at IPCPodcast.podbean.com. Star Raptor, thank you for gutting this out with us longer than you bargained for uh hopefully it was worth it and uh hopefully you get a couple more followers after you tell everybody uh where they can find you when they are not listening to ipc
3: oh for sure you know what these kind of conversations are conversations that i can i can have into the wee hours of the morning as i sometimes have had in the past and you know what it doesn't bother me because i'm into it i'm not tired I can go on a bit longer if I wanted to, but hey, that is just how it is. And well, I probably do need to sleep for work in the morning. Uh, but with yeah. that being said, I I really enjoyed running the gamut with Marvel news, with Star Wars news, with DC news, even with the MonsterVerse news. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Godzilla versus Kong. But yeah, it's been a it's been a blast. Uh, you guys can follow uh, my doings over at YouTube YouTube.com. Slash Star Raptor. Uh, that's where I'm going to have a lot of Star Wars content. I did a reaction actually to the Bad Batch trailer and a couple other things I was on that aren't mine, but are things that you should go check out, run by people uh, that are fans of the show and actually co hosts at certain points. I was on Steven Sinders um, on his delayed replay podcast. Uh, we were doing a Tomb Raider 2 review. So go check that out. I think that came out sometime last week uh, i was also this week on a funny enough we were talking about how people screenshot every little thing in a trailer i did that very thing i contributed to that nonsense on the internet uh, over on uh, dr holocron's youtube channel uh so make sure you check him out we broke down the bad Batch trailer as much as we pretty much could uh for a whole solid hour wow. actually so that was that was a lot of fun and um so yeah, you can go follow him on YouTube and subscribe uh, there. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, where I sometimes uh, post video game uh, little clips from Xbox, or I'll be putting like little miniature uh, pictures of Star Wars Legion miniatures. So you can also follow me on there at Star Raptor. And
0: th- thanks once again. Ah, uh, thank you, dude, and and Ben, thank you so much for hold- holding down the fort in my absence. I would not presume. To uh, to close down this episode that has been your your honor for the last couple of months. So I'll just tell people to go find me at Zach the Voice on Facebook and Twitter z a c h the Voice, and uh, that's where I'm doing you know the baseball stuff when I'm not on IPC. But I was very glad to be back tonight, and hopefully I'll be back again full time very very soon. Love love oh, to you all,
1: man. It's been an absolute pleasure. To have you back. And uh it's been a pleasure to have Star Raptor on, and I don't think we're done, Mr. Chris Abbott. I just have a feeling you might be back on the show sooner or later. We might might have something planned in the near future. You never know. You never know. We'll 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 be revealing that in the near future. But uh yeah, this has been a blast, and hopefully, Zach, you can be back on the show sooner, rather then later, because dang it, we miss you when you're gone, and uh, it's fun, but it just it just ain't the same without Mister Arnold. Just just not quite the same when you're not here. Um, but uh, yeah, am I doing this? Am I am I am I am I bringing this bringing this home? I still don't know how to it's, do it. It always sucks when you're not uh, around. When when you're it, not the uh, one doing it, it it just sucks. All right, I can't do this. All right, I'm, so. uh... <laughs>
0: I mean, I'll, I don't feel (laughs) like my, I don't feel like it's, it's really my place. No, no, no. I'll do it. All right. I'll do it.
1: I'll screw it up, but I'll do it. Um, so, uh, yeah, go follow all those guys at those places and follow us at the IPC podcast. And then we don't really have a Patreon thing yet. So I'll be on the lookout for that. Um, and, uh, find us on Podbean at ipcpodcast.podbean.com and, uh, on the Star Wars Underworld at Star Wars Underworld.com. All our episodes are up there and on iTunes and all the podcatchers and all that stuff and uh, yeah this has been fun guys, seriously. This is a uh, really fun episode and uh, I can't wait to check you guys out in a couple weeks and uh, see what we're gonna be talking about then but uh, until then see you guys next time and again, I have no idea what to say. So good night. By the way, we're I think we're gonna go through this like just run at full speed, so it'll be like um Hey Zach, what do you think of the uh Kenobi Cash you have five seconds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: we can do that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Set a new
0: record for IPC <laughs> breakdown.